This episode of Pod Cemetery is brought to you by the Darrow Chemical Company, makers of 245 Trioxin. If you feel minor skin irritation from coming into contact with 245 Trioxin, don't worry. The rain will wash everything away. Hello, my name is Chris. My name is Kelsey. And this is Pod Cemetery, where we dissect horror movies like the rotting corpses that they are. It's Zedward Week on Pod Cemetery with 1985's Return of the Living Dead and 2004's Shaun of the Dead. But before we get to the movies, Kelsey, how do we start the show? Trivial Pursuit Horror Edition. Give me what you got. Who directed both 1965's The Sound of Music and 1963's The Haunting? Fuck if I know. What is the answer? Robert Wise. Okay. If I knew more about musicals, I probably would have gotten that. Or if I would have remembered movies that we've watched. We haven't actually watched. We've watched it. The Haunting. Sure, we've watched it. We've watched The Haunting of Hill House. On the show. Oh. But we've watched The Haunting, haven't we? The original Haunting? I've never seen it. I've only seen the crappy remake. (laughs) Is that going to be a double feature we're going to watch in the future? Somebody has recommended it. All right. Somebody who recommended it. We don't have that list in front of us right now, but you already know what Kelsey thinks of the remake. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Kelsey, I got a really easy question for you. Let's get this out of the way now. What is the name... Of the hotel, I'm just going to stop right there. What's the name of the hotel? Oh, is it the Overlook? It's the Overlook. Hey. What is the name of the hotel the Torrance family are caretakers to in The Shining, 1980? The Overlook Hotel is the correct answer. I knew you'd get that. (laughs) You've been to the Overlook, haven't you? I have been to both the real hotel that... That he stayed at and Stephen got his inspiration for. Based it on, mm-hmm. called the Stanley in Colorado. And I have been to the one that they filmed the outside shots of the Overlook. Uh, that is in Mount Hood, Oregon. Is there an actual hotel that was the interiors? Or is that a soundstage? Soundstage. Yeah, okay. In London, right? I don't know. I think so. Anyway. So I figured we'd get that one out of the way. If you want a really, really easy one, holy shit. It's like not even a joke how easy it is. Maybe you'll get that one next just to point out just how dumb the question is. Yeah, I'd like to point out to anyone who's thinking of going to the one in Oregon, the place is beautiful, but... You walk in, it doesn't look a thing like the one in the the movie. So don't expect that at all. And if you've seen the remake of The Shining, the Stanley is where they filmed it. So that was kind of cool. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I've been where they filmed the remake. And you had to take, like, a passenger snowcat. Well, no. To drive up to the hotel, you can take a car. But then there's... 
I was there for my cousin's wedding, and it was up at the top of the mountain. Oh, that you had to take. The take cat. a snowcat. Yeah, so okay. I actually rode in a snowcat out of <laughs> the hotel, which is cool. That is pretty cool. All right, Kelsey, the first movie we are watching today is 1985's The Return of the Living Dead, a comedy zombie movie. Written by Rudy Ricci, Russell Striner, John A. Russo, and Dan O'Bannon. Directed by Dan O'Bannon. And starring Clue Gulliger, James Karen, and Don Kalfa. Before we get into the plot, I'd just like to point out that John Russo gets a story credit here. He just did the original treatment of the movie and the title, but the actual story is way different than what he originally wrote, but he still got credit for it. I'd also like to point out that Clue Gulliger, we most recently saw as the dad in Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, you know, the one who doesn't believe his, who, th- who thinks his son is on drugs and all of that. That's Clue Gulliger. Who and is he in the movie? He is the guy who owns the the medical supply location. Not the boss from Poltergeist. No, the boss from Poltergeist is James Karen, who is the old hat who works there, who okay. works for Clue Gulliger. Yeah. Got it. So what is The Return of the Living Dead about? It's kind of a joke on Night of the Living Dead and that the people from that experience have been... S- accidentally sent to this tiny town. The zombies, yeah. And the government can't find them. So they're just sitting there and these idiots open one up and they cause a new They cause a new wave of zombies. That's it's really interesting in that respect. As a matter of fact, in the universe of this movie, the movie Night of the Living Dead actually exists. And it is the real story of what happened, just with all the facts and names mixed up. The boss from Poltergeist does not actually believe that they were zombies. He thought that the chemical just made them kind of move around. Uh Uh-huh. But no. No, we'll find out that that is not the case. Now, the movie is free on Tubi TV and Vudu. It is free with a subscription via Amazon Prime. Should people watch this with us? It'd be a party pooper and say no. It I is did not enjoy it. It is not essential, I would say. <laughs> the thing about Return of the Living Dead is that it describes itself as a comedy horror. It is a silly horror. It's a silly premise and silly things happen. But I don't remember laughing once the <laughs> entire movie. And some of the movie is, like, super intense and, like, fucked up. And why would you think that this belongs in a comedy? (laughs) I do not know. Like, if you want to see tragedy in a comedy done well, wait for the next movie we're going to talk about. (laughs) We'll get to when it's done actually well. But, hey... We could be wrong because there's a whole lot of... Holy shit, people love this movie. There are a lot of uh, sequels. (laughs) This is not us being contrarian. I had no idea what people really thought of this movie. I just knew that it existed and I knew it had sequels. (laughs) That's all I knew. Now looking up, like, the scores that that it got and, like, people talking about it and stuff... People fucking love this movie. I'm really worried about upsetting Bob by saying it sucks. He might not like it. I don't know. But I feel like this might be something that he really enjoys. Well, our listener 
who recommended these movies will probably be upset. So Who's that? I'd like to say I'm sorry to Nick. Nick. <laughs> yeah, it's a good combination of, you know, comedy zombie movies. Uh, it's just, this one just did not hit for me. For me. Independently, too. Like... We weren't talking throughout about how we didn't like it. It just happened to end up that way. Um, it's not a bad movie. It's just it didn't resonate with me. <laughs> yeah. It so, just wasn't my humor. So you can take our advice or leave it. And when we get back, we will talk about 1985's The Return of the Living Dead. In the dark of the night, something strange is going on. From the grave. Mister, there's a hundred of those things out there. How many did you say? A hundred. And now the question is how do we get them back into the ground? It's all over everything! Stupid asshole! Watch your tongue, boy, if you like this job! Like this job! The military is nervous. Usual crap. Are confused. It worked in the movie! Well, it ain't working now, Frank. In the movie line? It's not a bad question, Bert. It's not a bad question, Bert. It's not a bad question, Bert. The Return of the Living Dead. So the whole movie starts out with an obviously untrue disclaimer about how the names and events depicted in the movie are all real. And that's obviously not true. We're just starting off with a real clever joke. Mm -hmm. What happens in the movie, Kelsey? Can you get us started on the actual plot? Well, I was very annoyed to find out that this is apparently a 4th of July movie. We could have waited <laughs> right. for it for next year. <laughs> <laughs> we have a hard time finding some of our seasonal movies. <laughs> it's right before the 4th of July weekend. That's only important because there's going to be a lot of people there, I guess. Yeah, I mean... It's really not part of the plot. It's not at all. But that's how it starts. And they're talking about the barbecue that they're going to do and the weekend and all that. And we meet two of our main characters. The dude from Poltergeist and some other guy. What yes. are their names? <laughs> so James Karen plays Frank. And then the younger guy, Tom Matthews, plays Freddy. He's the new guy on the job at Unita Medical Supplies. Uh, which is a joke, I guess. It's kind of a pun, but not really. Uh, anyway, uh, this know. is the caliber of comedy we're talking about here. <laughs> After Bert, the owner, Clue Gulliger, uh, leaves, Frank and Freddy are going to stick around because Frank is going to show Freddy kind of the ropes. Like, give him a little bit more of the education. He's going to wait for his friends to show up anyway. So he's, they're going to spend this time... Learning the ropes. Yes. They have a bunch of skeletons. Yes, and so it's a, it's a medical supply place. <laughs> they have cadavers. They have skeletons. They have all this stuff basically setting up things that could potentially happen. Right. If there were a zombie outbreak. But yeah, they are a medical supply company. So they... They get cadavers and they prepare them to be given to, like, medical schools and stuff. 
And we don't really know if we can trust the information that we get from Frank because Freddy will be will ask, where do the skeletons come from? He's like, they come from India. And it's like, I don't know if that's real. And then he's like talking about, well, I don't know how they get the ones with the perfect teeth. So apparently that's a thing? Skeletons from India? That was a thing. So India was actually a source for a century and a half of getting skeletons for medical study. And they were renowned for having, like, perfect teeth. Weirdly. And for whatever reason, they would come out of these small villages and stuff in India and be sent to these medical schools. And it was literally the world's primary source of medical skeletons. And then in the 80s, the Indian government banned exporting human remains. So you couldn't export human remains out of the country. And then all of a sudden, like the medical skeleton industry just completely dried up. There are reports that apparently Wired wrote an article in 2007 about it, that apparently there then became like this underground black market for these Indian skeletons because of their quality. That never stopped after the ban was put into place. That's terrifying. Because people just literally couldn't get them from anywhere else. So that just, that means that more people need to be willing to be donors. Yes, absolutely. More people should be donors. You do not need to be buried in the ground. That's tons and tons of resources taken up by cemeteries. Kelsey, do not bury me. Okay. Okay? Okay. So... <laughs> he starts to tell him the story. I don't remember why, but he starts telling him the story about Night of the Living Dead bodies being there. Did you see that movie, Night of the Living Dead? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one where the corpses start eating the pupil, right? Sure. What, what about it? Did you know that movie was based on a true case? That's not possible. I mean, they showed zombies taking over the world. They changed it all around. What really happened was, back in 1969 in Pittsburgh at the VA hospital, there was a chemical spill and all that stuff kind of leaked down into the morgue and it made all the dead bodies kind of jump around as though it was alive. And they told the guy who made the movie that if he told the true story, they'd just sue his ass off. So he changed all the facts around. So how come you know about it? What typical army fuck-up? The transportation department got the orders crossed. And they shipped those bodies here. He's like, you want to see one? And they go down, and he shows them, look, this is where they are. And he's like, really? He's like, yeah, open one up and see. And it's just like, are you fucking... (laughs) (laughs) How stupid do you have to be? So they open it up, and out comes this gas. But then we go and meet another group of people. Yes. So the gas fills the room, and they cough and cough, and they collapse. And then we meet the punks. So the punks are Freddy's friends. Oh, my God. This is hilarious. Holy shit. By the way, you see these punks, and the first thing you notice, or at least I noticed, was Miguel A. Nunez jr Uh, if that name does not ring a bell he was dj in the street fighter movie he was mo bitches in black dynamite he was joanna man 
and he was demon in Friday the 13th New Beginning. That's the third one? It's the fifth one. I definitely recognized him when you said he was from the Friday the 13th franchise. Yeah. I was like, I I know I've seen him in one of those movies because I totally recognized him too. But who boy. Apparently he was homeless at the time. Oh. And he had this whole like Jerry Curl action going, like a Jerry Curl like pseudo mullet. Just let it shine through. Just let Wow, (laughs) that definitely peaked the audio. (laughs) And he's wearing an outfit straight out of a Michael Jackson music video. And it's whoo-hoo. Now, the rest are also dressed up in funny ways, uh, including characters by the name of Suicide. And you think this is a costume? This is a way of life. Spider. Trash. Scar. Guz, Chuck, and Casey, and Tina. Mm-hmm. Tina is Freddy's girlfriend who got him that job. And they don't, she doesn't match with the rest of the group at all. Yes, not at all. At one point, she leaves the group to go find Freddy, because Freddy doesn't really even match with that group. Yeah. Uh, not really. Well, some of them are like yuppies. Like one, no, one has like the the um, shoulder pads, the he's straight a geek. shoulders, and he's got his big boombox. <laughs> there, there's a there's a geek in the mix, and yeah, but he's like a punk sort of geek. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> he wants to be right, but I mean, like yes, he dresses in in a suit but you know he's enveloped in that sort of culture just like in SLC punk you have those people that sort of cross cultures like there's what's his face who's friends with the punks the handsome whatever his name is i can't think of his name <laughs> i can't either but yeah there's like the ladies man character but he's like that but he's a nerd and he's with all these punks and he can't get the time of day from one of the women there. Hey, if you want to split, we could both go somewhere. You'd really like to do it with me, you? Hey, I mean, a girl like you and a guy like me? Go choke a chicken. Oh, come on, Casey. I'm only kidding. Sure. Basically, they're partying in a cemetery, and Freddie's going to be joining them later. I love some of the lines that were said during this part. I think it's oh my God. Trash, who says, I like death at some point. Somebody says, fuck off and die. Somebody says, how rad. Like, it just, it's it's so good. I If I could just have watched the punks, I think I would yeah. have enjoyed it more. <laughs> uh, the character, I think it was Casey, is kind of a bitch to the nerd, which, you know, she she's fully entitled to be because he is hitting on her. But... Then Suicide walks by and she insults him and he's like, hey, fuck you, ball buster. <laughs> it's just like amazing delivery. Oh, great. Here's your friend and mine. Hey, fuck you, ball buster. Suicide goes from zero to ten immediately at all times. <laughs> and he's like the leader of the gang. But Not they're, they're, really the leader. He's the one they all use for his car. They're just there to party and they will spend a large portion of this movie, like the whole first act, just partying at this cemetery including including, a naked dance (laughs) yes including trash who becomes 
spoilers, who becomes a sort of iconic zombie later on, who strips down completely naked to dance on top of a sarcophagus of some sort. And she's wearing like a prosthetic sort of like bikini, which is designed to look like she's naked. Well, yeah, you could tell. You couldn't see anything. So right, it was that's like, the it's thing. very obviously she has something on. It's like an angel in dogma. Where <laughs> they just got nothing down there. But she does strip down naked and then do a dance. And she's the one who loves death and says that she has dreams about how <clears throat> she'll be eaten by old men. Yes. It's weird because she's talking about how afraid she is of it. Uh-huh. But it kind of turns her on. Turns her on. Yeah. <laughs> and she's telling the story about how she thinks the worst way to die would be to have a group of old men surround her and bite her to death. Do you ever fantasize about being killed? Never. Do you ever wonder about all the different ways of dying, you know, violently? I wonder, like, what would be the most horrible way to die? Try not to think about dying too much. Mm. Well, for me, the worst way would be for a bunch of old men to get around me and start biting and eating me alive. I see. Which is exactly how she dies, and you knew it was coming. You, it was so, it was way too obvious, and you knew that's what they were gonna do. Again, something that Shaun of the Dead does really well is foreshadowing. It's lines and things like that that feel very natural in the moment, and then when they come up later, if you notice, you're like, "Aha!" And if you don't, it has no impact on the movie. If you didn't notice this, you'd be like, "That's a really fucking weird thing to say." It's like in. This is the end. Franco pitches a movie idea to Seth Rogen. Why don't we do a sequel to Pineapple Express? Danny's trying to kill us. Yeah. And I sacrifice myself for you. And he kills me. And I die for you. And Danny fucking eats me. Why does he eat you? I don't know. I'm just trying to think of like the nastiest way to go. Yeah, he could eat you. Okay, that's He's a good just idea, man. Out of his mind, and just like eats me. That movie idea is exactly how he ends up dying. Nobody noticed. I don't because it was that, done yeah. so well. Uh-huh. It yeah. seemed like Franco was just being a weirdo and talking right. about a movie, and it fits. It's not obvious, heavy-handed foreshadowing, but I kind of feel like that's almost what this movie is going for. Yes. It wants to hit you over the head yes. with its silliness. It's not clever. It's just like, <laughs> isn't this ridiculous? Quap. Yeah. That's how I feel about Creep Show. That's why I don't get why you think it's so funny. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's ridiculous in a way that's fun. But again, this movie has moments that just are not fun. Like, at all. And so, especially the ones that involve Tina and Freddy. It's like... It sucks, and it makes you feel shitty, and it's like, I'm supposed to laugh during this? Because the movie is not skilled at getting you to laugh in the best of times, let alone when it's, like, super traumatic. In any case, they're hanging out there. Tina leaves to try to find out what's taking Freddy so long. Cut back to the medical supply warehouse, and what happens? They wake up, and they're really sick. They're not feeling good. Yeah. And they notice that the body is gone. 
And the guy's like, it must have melted, like, from the stuff. As soon as it was exposed to the atmosphere, it just completely disintegrated. And that must be what they breathed in, but that's not the case. No, and what do they find? They find the tar man, I think is what they call him. (laughs) Or something like that. It is the coolest zombie in the entire movie, and compared to a lot of other movies. I like him a whole lot. He moves really cool. The skeleton mask is, is a, fucking awesome. It's a cool prop, I'll tell you that. And it doesn't look fake. It's on a human's head, and normally when you put, like, a skeleton mask on a human's head with prosthetics and stuff like that, it looks, like, way too big and stuff. <laughs> no, they did a fantastic job on this specific zombie who's been just roasting for 14 years in a barrel that was sent to the wrong place. <laughs> Up to this point, they've seen that they could call a number on the side of the barrel, and they're like, no, 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 we're not getting the army involved. We're calling our boss. Like, that's their objective. They do not want to escalate this to get them in any trouble. But yes, they have found a zombie. Yep. And he's talking. He's yelling brains. Yes. Which I wonder if that's where that comes from. No, I think it's from that. It's a reference to older movies. Oh. I mean, zombie movies have been out since before Night of the Living Dead. But have they always shouted out brains? Well, you know who hasn't ever said, I want to suck your blood, but is always attributed as saying that? Dracula. He's literally never said it. Seriously? Seriously. <laughs> That's crazy. Right? And it's always in a Bella Lugosi accent, and he never said it. Huh. I gotta say, though... This is nice and to-the-point exposition. They tell the story. Hey, you remember this movie? Yeah, that really happened. Those bodies are downstairs. Oops, it opened. Like, just done. We're to the point, and in a, in a movie that's supposed to be kind of lighthearted, I appreciated that. I will say that. So they have, like, they have miniature dogs. <laughs> so, wh- yeah, what it is is it's a real dog, a real dead dog, sliced in half, and I guess probably solidified in some way uh, in order to stay together as like a veterinary display to show you the insides of a dog and it's a small puppy and when they run across it it like starts moving (laughs) yes it's kind of cute i guess (laughs) i don't know why but they they still are under the impression that it's just that it's been contained and if they can just get rid of this one then they'll be done. Why would they assume that if the dog came to life? And I'll remember the butterflies came to life. I thought that was hilarious. Yeah. They have a bunch of dead butterflies tacked on and all the wings are flapping. And that's, that's adorable. Fun. But. Yeah. Shouldn't that tell them something? That should tell them, hey, why are the other creatures coming to life? So let's be clear here. These are two different zombies we're talking about. There's the tar man that got out. Mm-hmm. What they come across is. One of their existing cadavers, a fresher body of like a whole human, the one that they end up decapitating. They don't find the tar one? No. Then where, then how do we find that one? So yes, this movie is, it's hard to remember. I honestly didn't even remember how it ended when we sat down to record. And it has an ending, let me tell you. Uh, So here's what happened. The tar man is gone. He disappeared. They thought he disintegrated. They find the dog, they find the butterflies, and they only have one actual cadaver in their cold storage unit. 
just one. And they hear the pounding, the screaming inside this cold storage unit, and they know that that's what's happened, is this cadaver has come back to life. Freddy says, let's call the army, that number on the side of the barrel. Frank says, absolutely not. We're going to call Bert instead. Clue Gulliger, Bert, shows back up and is like, holy shit, they've come back to life. If you remember in the movie, how do you get rid of a zombie? You get rid of the brain. Yeah, destroy the brain or cut off the head. And so they decide that that's what they're going to do. And they're going to smash in the head of this cadaver. And so they open it up, this cold storage unit, and the cadaver comes out and they have a fight scene with the cadaver. And they end up, (laughs) they end up cutting its head off. (laughs) And then this, this is actually kind of funny how stupid this is. They have a fight with the headless cadaver, kind of like in in Evil Dead 2, where the the headless body with the chainsaw. But this one is just a fight, and they're knocking over shelving units. And you can tell in certain shots when it's a prop and when it's an actual person in a suit. (laughs) And some of the shots where it's a person in the suit, you can still see the head. It's still on the body, obviously. (laughs) The head's still alive, but they they strap down the body because it still moves even if you remove the head. It's still animated, hence the dog moving, the butterflies moving, all this stuff. You don't need, like, a full human brain to be reanimated. I thought you said if we destroyed the brain, it'd die. It worked in the movie! Well, it ain't working now, Frank. You mean the movie line? They cut apart the body, and they decide to take it to a friend of Bert's, who runs a mortuary and has the tools to cremate a body. He has the oven and all of that. Now here is where the movie gets kind of fucked up. This man, Don Kalfa, plays a character called Ernie, Ernie Kaltenbrunner. Now, Ernie Kaltenbrunner is the name of a real person, Ernst Kaltenbrunner, who was an actual Nazi. You know, the Nazis who burned bodies in... I get the joke. Yes. What he's listening to when we see him embalming one of the bodies for a funeral he's listening to on his walkman a song called panzer roland in afrika vor which is a march song of the german africa corps during world war ii his gun is a walther p38 which is a german gun he has a picture of eva braun up in his morgue and he uses the term ein betrunken soldat in german which is a drunk soldier And he's the only one who knows how to use the crematorium. Like, that's supposed to be a joke. Mm -hmm. And not in the way, like, in Dr. Strangelove, where Dr. Strangelove is an ex-Nazi, and he can't control part of his body. And, like, that makes it funny. The entire joke here is that he's an escaped Nazi living amongst us. That's the joke. Nothing else. As a person in a crematorium. Yes. That's the wrong kind of joke to be making about Nazis. I gotta say. And it's fucked up. I agree. That was intended to be further fleshed out. Dan O'Bannon, the writer-director, said in the DVD commentary that he was actually literally supposed to be that, but they trimmed it down a little bit. So now only if you're paying attention and notice all these clues and know what they are, like you know that that's a photo of Eva Braun, you know that that's a German March song, you know, that sort of thing, do you kind of get the joke. So anyway, 
They come across this guy and they what do they tell him they have? At first they tell him they have rabid weasels? Or something like that. Some sort of rodent. <laughs> and he doesn't believe them. Because I think they tell he tells them he has to cut it up or something. Oh, because he says... We're not going to burn them alive. We can't burn them alive. That would That'd be unethical. Be cruel, yeah, uh-huh. Which doesn't make sense with... I guess he's learned his lesson. I guess. He's like... I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to kill them right, first. Right, and he pulls out his Walther P-38. And they're like, I don't think that's gonna work. Yeah. And they end up having to show him what's inside. And it's an, an arm in one of the bag. And, and it comes and it, after like, attacks him. him. Yeah. So while they're in the crematorium, Tina shows up to the warehouse so she can get Freddy. No one's there, but she's looking around for him. She ends up going to the basement where all the drums are being held. And this is when Tarman comes out and attacks her. She hides in a closet. And Tarman, who is very smart, apparently, like chains up the door and goes to pull the doors off. This is where he says, Brains. Who's there? That's what's going on while they're at the crematorium. They burn this cadaver and they think it's gone. The heart, every last little bit, if we could burn the ashes, we would do that too. But what they don't realize is that when the reason that it happened in the first place is because they released the chemical gas. Yes. And when they burn the body, the chemical gas gets is released. released and it mixes with the clouds in the air and it starts to rain what people assume is acid rain because it burns your skin. But that's the infection spreading. I love the music that they play when the smoke is oh released. Oh my God, that music is fucking awesome. <laughs> I love it. It was very cool. Very good. Punks leave the cemetery because it's raining and they're getting hurt and Trash can't even get dressed. They get in Suicide's car. Again, he's the driver, but it's not starting and it's starting to leak. So they get out and they run to the warehouse where Tina went previously. And they stumble upon Tarman trying to get at Tina in this closet. And when Tarman sees them, he says... More brains. (laughs) More brains. Yes. So now they're dealing with Tarman and he kills suicide by taking just a huge chunk out of his head. Spider, who appears to be the only smart one in the entire bunch, uh, gets them to barricade the door. And now they need to figure out what they need to do. Earlier in the movie, we didn't mention Casey thought she saw Freddy earlier leave like carrying something to the mortuary that that's attached to the cemetery where they were partying and so she's like oh that's where Freddy is we should just go there and get him 
And over there, they have called the paramedics because they're really, really sick. And they come and they take their vitals and they're like, uh. <laughs> yes. You're dead. Uh-huh. <laughs> Your friend is dead. Yeah, this it's a kind of funny conversation, but it's all housed in this like, oh, Freddie and Frank are already dead. They died when the gas was expelled and they were risen again as zombies, but they were so freshly dead that they still thought that they were alive and they could generally move around like actual living people. But they have zero vitals. While this is happening, all the recently deceased are rising from their graves in the cemetery. So when the paramedics go outside to have a conversation about this and to call somebody they get attacked by all the zombies who are rising from the graves. And there are a lot of them. It's at this point that the punks get split up. I'd like to point out that the song that Trash danced to is the same song that will play when all of a sudden a lot of these people come up from the graves. Yeah. Do you want to party? It's time to party. And you're at first thinking, that's awesome. What a fun 80s song. No, okay, so... Then you find out you what find the out what rest it's about. of the lyrics are. So the lyrics in the movie are different than the lyrics of the actual song. Lyrics in the movie kind of describe what's going on in the movie, but the real song is real fucked up. Mm-hmm. Do you even want to talk about it? It's about a girl... A little girl who was tortured and killed by her mother and mother's boyfriend. Yep. Fun stuff. Yeah. So when all the punks get separated, Trash dies like almost immediately. And that is how she dies. She's surrounded by all these old men from the from the cemetery and they bite her to death. She does end up coming back as this naked, pale, really bright red hair sort of zombie that has this iconic sort of look to her and looks nothing like any of the other zombies. And and you can see why they would want to work with punks. Not only are they interesting visually when they're alive, they're also interesting visually when they're dead. You can do really fun stuff with them. And they do that with trash. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the people who are inside, I was saying this earlier, but you kind of cut me off. Are you saying we're dead? I assure you, he's dead. It really reminded me of uh, Adventures in Babysitting. Your friend is dead. You have no pulse. Your blood pressure is zero over zero. You have no pupillary response, no reflexes. Your temperature is 70 degrees. Sorry, your friend is dead. Dead? It's been too long since I've seen Adventures in Babysitting. Or from the one about the college partiers written by the same guy who did American Psycho. Rules of Attraction. When they bring in their friend who they think is ODing. <laughs> oh, your friend's dead. And he wakes up. And they're like, you quack. He's <laughs> like, no, you've got to bring him back. Your friend's dead. <laughs> Harry's gone bye-bye. Harry's gone to the big bye-bye. He's got his name in the papers on the backside. It's toe tag time in Teenville tonight. Again. Teenville? <laughs> you should have just said no, Harry. I'm not dead, Ah. Yes, you are. Shut up. Actually, you don't have a pulse. I think you did. If you let me run a few tests, I can probably prove no, 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 no. practice your buddy that Harry is dead. You don't know what you are talking about. You test on Harry. I'm sure I can prove he's dead. No. 
I must insist you bring back your friend's corpse for me to do some tests. We get a typical shot from zombie movies from the window with all the hands coming up. Yep. I think that's in every zombie movie. I don't think you can ha- make a zombie movie without that shot. Including Shaun of the Dead. Yes. And then a bunch of more zombies come and they end up getting a woman locked down where they get to actually talk to her. Yeah, she's like half... A body, she's just the torso, the head, and one of her arms. And so they talk to her and they talk about how she needs brains. She just got brains and so she's not as hungry. Uh, But later on she becomes hungry and becomes obsessed with brains. And this whole time Ernie is really interested in all of this. Because when he's working on the body, he's trying to deal with rigor mortis. They obviously didn't know what rigor mortis really was. Because if... if he works at a mortuary and it's a dead body. Rigor mortis goes away. It's a thing that happens and then it goes away. It's not just a new state that the body is forever in now. So the fact that he's trying to find a way to deal with rigor mortis is kind of bizarre. But anyways, <laughs> when Freddie starts complaining of pain and stuff like that, he inspects him. He's like, oh, well, that's this is all the blood in his body pooling at the bottom. That's a real thing that happens in, in dead bodies because their heart's not pumping the, the blood through their system anymore. And he's experiencing rigor mortis. That's why he has all of this pain. And he's like fascinated. And so now when it comes time for this half zombie thing, like he's really into finding out what makes these zombies tick. Because he asks, why do you eat people? And she says, not people, brains. Yes. Why? Because of the pain of being dead. Why do you eat people? Not people. Brains. Brains only. Yes. Why? The pain. What about the pain? It makes the pain go away. I don't understand how eating a brain makes them not feel pain. Yeah, you notice how they stop just short of that explanation? This movie's not here for that. There is a movie that tries to give it a a reason. Warm hearts, warm hearted, warm blooded. Warm bodies. Warm bodies. And I loved that explanation. Of course, it's a very different zombie movie. Yes. But they would eat the brains to remember what it was like to be alive. Oh, that's and when fun. And when they eat the brain, they experience the memories of mm-hmm. the people. So that's why they do it. I feel like I only caught the end of that movie. It's a good movie. You should see it. Yeah. Uh, with Nick. Nick? Beast. Hank McCoy from the X-Men movies. What's his name? The boy from About a Boy. <laughs> the guy that you really like. Nicholas Holt. I can't believe I can't think of his name. Nicholas Holt. That's not his name. Oh, Shit, what is his name in the show? Let me find it. He's not Nicholas Holt. Nicholas Holt Skins. It's like Frank or Fred or... No, it's a posh name. Tony. Oh. <laughs> uh-huh. Tony Stoneham. That's right, because it's Effie Stoneham. Mm-hmm. Okay, where are we? Well, I love the response. <laughs> when the woman's explaining, somebody goes, Hey, man, fuck this. <laughs> you know, they just... Hey, look, man... Fuck this. Fuck this whole situation. Yep. Uh, but the, yeah, the whole point is, is that they can they can feel themselves rotting and they stave that off with brains. There's other things going on at the same time. And it's it's actually kind of interesting 
they obviously decided to make them intelligent, so much so that they could plan traps. Yes, so the paramedics <laughs> in, in that van, the guy that sends more, send more paramedics. Rescue 7, come in, this is dispatch, do you copy over? Come in, dispatch, send more paramedics. <laughs> Later on, when cops show up, they're like, send more cops. Send more cops. <laughs> and they would just hide, and then when they would get there, they would attack them. Yes, and this is happening throughout the movie, where progressively more and more people are showing up to solve this problem, and more and more people are dying. Conceptually, it's very funny. When you see the zombies go, send more paramedics, yes, or whatever it is that they say. made me it's laugh. It's very funny. Yes. And this is where the movie really shines, and it really should have stuck to that kind of stuff. So, we have Tarman, we have... Uh, trash as a zombie. We have the uh, the zombies being intelligent and laying traps. Like, all of this stuff. Oh, the fact that the exposition is just so direct and it's like, hey, remember Night of the Living Dead? That actually happened. Now let's start the movie. Like, this is all really great stuff. But it's all like the meat in the middle that kind of turned me off to the whole thing. <laughs> so more people are dying. Uh, Freddy is going to turn into... Uh, well, he's already a zombie. Freddy is getting worse. They're going to turn into brain-eating zombies. Yes. So they decide to quarantine them, but the girlfriend's like, I'm not leaving. So she decides to stay with Freddy. Mm-hmm. So this is where Trash comes in, and she's now a zombie. She kills a hobo. There's a police helicopter that flies by, uh, which tells the, the like everyone, hey, there's some shit going on here. We found the two lost paramedic vans. Oh, and, and we, yeah, we forgot about this one government dude who we see in like two oh scenes. Oh my God. Yes. He's in the very beginning. <laughs> Here's the thing. You see his house <laughs> and it is incredible. And you're like, what kind of fucking set designer had the balls to design this set this way and this elaborately and this strangely for like two scenes in the entire movie that bookend the movie you're introduced to him and then you forget he exists basically he's always on call and he always needs to be ready and he's a military man he's an older gentleman and his wife's like nah, all the equipment we have makes me nervous and he's like hey i gotta do it it's 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 for our country and then you just don't think about him for the rest of the movie anyway you think about the inside of his house and how nuts it is. That was a real house that was really designed that way. I don't remember anything weird about the house. It's like he goes into his room and it's like all dark red, like <laughs> everywhere. And it's it's really bizarre. But anyways, yes, no set designer designed that. The person living there really thought that that was a way to design a house. <laughs> so anyway, uh, so we have the punks split up. Trash is now a zombie. Suicide is, has had his brain eaten. Um, like just full on, just bit open the head. Yes. I liked that. Uh, Freddie and Frank and a very much still alive Tina are in the chapel of the mortuary. And um, they have be turned into zombies and she starts screaming and they run in and save her. So the whole yes. scene was pointless. Exactly. <laughs> um, but really what's happening is more and more people are dying off. And of the punks... Miguel A. Nunez Jr., Spider, is like the real standout. He's the one who's going to fucking survive this. And, and he's, he's the one who's like always taking action. And they decide they're going to try to uh, get out and get to one of the police cars. Bert 
by the way, there are characters, yes, there are two characters named Bert and Ernie. Apparently, uh, O'Bannon had no idea that that was the case when he wrote it. He wasn't even thinking about that. It was pure chance that there are characters named Bert and Ernie. Bert and Spider find their way to this cop car, and they're going to come back for everyone else. But it gets too crazy, so they just drive off and decide we're going to come back with help. And they watch them get in the car and leave, and she's like, they left us, they left us, just like in Jurassic Park. Yes. They left us! They left us! They had to! He left us! He left us! But that's not what I'm going to do. Bert's driving. He uh, they just drive straight they through, the zombies. through zombies. Awesome. That is really cool. But th- the car gets totally beat up. So they make it back to the warehouse, and the the car breaks down. So they run inside the warehouse, and then the car explodes. And Spider's like, "Oh fuck! Now what are we supposed to do?" And Bert's like, "Oh, don't worry. My car, Frank's car, they're still there. We can use those." And Spider looks outside, and he's like, uh, "Nope, those blew up too." <laughs> See, so there's, like, some moments where the movie really does uh, shine. I'm pretty sure it's Freddy who says, forgive me for trying to eat his girlfriend and then sacrifices himself, which then causes more smoke to come out of the chem- the chemical no, gas. No, 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 no. It's, it's Frank. Somebody says no, forgive Frank, me. No, Frank, he he hasn't quite turned, he turned into a brain-eating zombie yet. And so he turns on the crematorium. He said earlier, do we really need Ernie? I could run this thing. But now it comes into play. He's there. He takes off his wedding ring and and sets it down and apologizes. And then he climbs into this. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I remember that scene. uh, Crematorium and and burns himself alive and screams. But yes, again. (laughs) He's just making it worse. Yes. Uh, So there are all these zombies, and the only ones left alive are Tina and Ernie, and Ernie has a gun, and Bert and Spider, and Bert and Spider are in the warehouse. So Tina and Ernie are starting to get overrun. They make their way to, like, the attic or whatever, and they're still getting attacked by Freddy, I think, too. And it gets to the point where Tina's really terrified and is cowering in Ernie's arms. And Ernie is like, he's looking at the gun and then he's looking at her and he decides, remember, this is a comedy. And he decides if they break into here, I'm going to kill her with what I have left with, with my leftover ammunition. And then if I can kill, I can't remember if he would be out at that point and he would sacrifice himself or if he would kill himself too. But without her knowledge, she's totally not in on this. She's just terrified. So spider and Bert are down there and they're, and spiders like, there's that number. We need to call that number. Bert finally acquiesces and they call the number. And who do they get? They get our guy from the very beginning, our military man. And he's like, up, where are you? Don't worry, I'll take care of it. And then he calls up some special code and gives them coordinates and says that the eggs have hatched. And basically he sets in motion what they call their containment protocol. And that is to just fucking bomb the town with a nuclear bomb, which they do. Now, of course... This military man does not tell Bert on the phone 
That's what he's going to do. It just happens. So there's all this stuff going on. Well, somebody says they've got a contingency plan and somebody says, that's great. Yes. <laughs> and what that contingency plan is, is, is blowing up that part of town. <laughs> and so he reports back to his superiors. So Tina didn't have to get mercy killed. She was just killed by the bomb. He reports back to his superiors. Well, less than 4,000 dead. There's some acid rain, but that's to be expected. No great collateral damage. The rain will wash will everything, wash everything away. away. Yes, it started raining. The rain will wash everything away. Which is why they have so many sequels. Yes, there are like five movies in this Nobody series. seems to get to understand why this is happening. <laughs> Uh, and then the end, like, when you're watching the fucking credits, you basically have a trailer. It's like the entire movie is played over again. Just kind like of, yeah. Scenes. And you see the dead body, the the first dead body to pop up in the cemetery come up for the first time. And then he kind of looks like he says, uh, let's party uh, to that let's party song. And that's that's how the movie ends. Mm-hmm. Lightning round, Kelsey. I like when uh, he first opens the the canister and he's like oh fuck hey these things don't leak do they leak hell no these things were made by the u.s army corps of engineers oh, fuck. <laughs> i like that well see they 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 lift up the cover but it's not open he accidentally bumps it yeah. and it, it a hole springs in it and the gas comes out and they filmed like a wax sculpture or something like that melting to get the sort of Raiders of the Lost Ark effect going and the heat that they used for that was so much that the glass shattered and that was not planned it's just what happened uh, which is a happy little coincidence I like when we first meet the government guy he's just a total asshole he walks in he's like what's for dinner and his wife's like your favorite lamb chops I had that for lunch, and then he walks away. <laughs> Freddy wears a jacket that says, fuck you, in the theatrical version. But when they realized they couldn't use that and still play the movie on TV, they made a second jacket for the scenes where he's wearing that jacket that says television version on it. Awesome. Yeah, that's kind of cool. The cemetery that they go into is Resurrection Cemetery. Yes, which is a nice little uh, wink and nod. When they first realize that the animal, like the dog's alive and the butterflies are alive, Freddy says, are we fucked or what? <laughs> How they did those butterflies, by the way, is they just cut out pictures from books of butterflies, uh -huh. folded them in the middle, pinned them to the board, and then uh, the director was just outside the shot. Just blowing on them. <laughs> wow. That's cool. Yeah. Or at least so says the commentary. Uh, there is an eye test poster on the wall in Unita Medical Supplies hmm. that that if you spell it out says Bird is a slave driver and a cheap son of a bitch who's going bald to ha ha, apparently. <laughs> That's a thing. I like when the boss shows up. He's mad, obviously, at the guy from Poltergeist for, you know, you got us into this. You better get us out. But when, they, when they're going in after the corpse that's alive, he's like, you'd better go in and do it. Be brave, ma'am. Be brave. Mm -hmm. and, then the, and then it attacks him instead. It doesn't attack the guy from Poltergeist. It attacks the boss. O'Bannon said, again, the writer-director, 
he said that he thought this movie was going to be mostly for young men. That's what he assumed it would appeal to. So that's why he has trash naked for most of the movie. He found out that his movie had just as many female fans as it had male fans. He said he regretted that he made trash nude in the movie, not because he he was worried about offending the sensibilities of the women, but because he wished he had made one of the men nude Yeah, as well. Because, as he puts it, uh, going forward, his nudity will be equal opportunity, as he decided after that point. Good. If you're going to have a woman be naked, where's the man? Yeah. And and it wasn't it wasn't that like, oh, only women are pretty naked and men because I'm a man. You know, it wasn't that sort of thing. It was just like I was he thought he was catering to his audience that he thought would be predominantly male. And he's like, oh, there are women fans of this. God, I really wish I had a naked dude in here, <laughs> which I guess is good. <laughs> Weird. But when when trash is hitting on suicide, he's totally not into it. And he goes, show some respect for the dead, will ya? <laughs> oh, yes. <sighs> hey, what's wrong with you, man? <sighs> show some fucking respect for the dead, will ya? You know, talking over the movie, I am finding more and more things that I do remember enjoying. But there was just this overwhelming sense of just, I'm not enjoying myself throughout. There's just these tiny moments that peek through that my overarching feeling of how the movie is just drowns out all those moments. After they save Tina from being eaten by her boyfriend, Freddie, she's all like screaming like, oh, his face is all fucked up. And then just slap, slap. I had to stop her screaming. Yes. Hi. Had to stop her from screaming. So ultimately, going over all the funny stuff, like, that didn't take me very long. Right. And I'm not sitting here, like, thinking, like, oh, there's a bunch of stuff I could say, but I don't want to go over time. Which which you do often in these. That That's not happening right now. Um, this movie, while, yes, it does have some funny lines, I think I laughed maybe once out loud. Mm-hmm. This movie is pretty boring, to be honest. It is. So I have written here, and I think this really hits it. My third to last note is, all the shit with Teddy and Tina dragging on forever was torture and not funny. And then my next note is, it just goes on and on. And then my last note is, yeah, it's silly, but it's not often funny. (laughs) That's a real problem when you're marketing yourself as a comedy. Mm -hmm. And you're clearly structuring it as if it's supposed to be a comedy. Yes. So... That all said, what do you think the movie got on Rotten Tomatoes? I know it has a following, but I don't know how critics would feel about it. I would guess... It has like 35 reviews or something like that. I would guess 63. Well, that's real close to the Metacritic, which is 66. Okay. The Rotten Tomatoes is 91. Holy shit. A punk take on the zombie genre... Return of the Living Dead injects a healthy dose of 80s silliness to the flesh-consuming. Wow. (laughs) I mean, I think I would come away with, I'd probably be part of that 9% that would say no thumbs down. 
I could see why people would say thumbs up, but we still walk away with an average rating of 66. Mm -hmm. I can see how that's the case. Way more people like it than don't, but how much they like it, not really a whole lot. It's 66% average rating. So overrated, underrated? Overrated. Yes, absolutely. What would you give it? I feel real bad. Uh Uh-huh. Let me give it a 50. I was going to give it a 60. So you don't need to feel that bad. Okay. Yeah, it, uh... No. Nick, I'm sorry. Yeah, it wasn't for me. I don't know if you're... I mean, because people recommend movies to us all the time that they don't like. So I don't know (laughs) if you are one of the people that like it. Like, I understand. I, I recognize why people like it. It has... Some awesome music, unless you read more about some of the songs. The theme song that the gas has is fucking incredible. Mm -hmm. I love the element of having all these punks in it, and it creates this unique sort of visual aesthetic throughout the movie. And it's that whole, like, 80s idea of what a New York punk looks like. Like like Bebop and Rocksteady of the Ninja Turtles. (laughs) They start out as these sort of, like, 80s New York alleyway street punks, (laughs) and then they get turned into the mutants. So what you see Bebop and Rocksteady wearing, that's what the real people were wearing. You get that in this. And I fucking love that. There are some jokes that we remark are actually really funny. I really love how the exposition starts up really quick. But it does. It drags on and on and on. There are a lot of really torturous scenes. And it's just not nearly funny enough to be considered like a successful comedy in my book. Or evidently yours. Mm Mm-hmm. Anything else to say about Return of the Living Dead? I don't think so. I think we've pretty much well beaten this dead horse. Yeah. This zombie horse. This bifurcated zombie puppy. Yes. Which they do beat. Again, funny in how ridiculous it is. But they really bank on just showing you ridiculous things and expecting you to laugh. And it's mm-hmm. eh. Oh, and the Tar Man. I forgot about the Tar Man. He's dope as fuck, too. Just all of that is overshadowed by just how bored I was most of the movie. Yes. The good news is, Nick, we love Shaun of the Dead. Yes, we absolutely do. Are you kidding me? (laughs) Before we get to Shaun of the Dead, though, Trivial Pursuit Horror Edition. 2016's Ouija Origin of Evil was based on a product sold by what company? Oh, okay. So this has changed hands over the years. So that's not really fair. <laughs> I will say Milton Bradley. It's Hasbro. Yeah, Hasbro now. It was Milton Bradley. I'm going to look this up. <laughs> I thought it was Milton Bradley too. No, it was Parker Brothers oh. first. That's a name that you never hear anymore because they were bought out by Hasbro who now owns it. But they did not own it originally. That was the Parker Brothers. Well, I have a ton of board games upstairs that have Parker Brothers. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All those games that you played when you were a kid. (laughs) All right, Kelsey. This is the easy question I was telling you about. Just imagine they put this in a game of Trivial Pursuit. Okay. In Annabelle 2014. Also keep in mind that this game came out in what? 2017? So like... The movie's three years old by this point and very much in the cultural zeitgeist. (laughs) In Annabelle 2014, Annabelle is both a person and what inanimate object? Hmm. 
Is it a chair? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I know. I know. I know. Uh huh. It's a lamp. <laughs> I love lamp. <laughs> no, it's a doll. Yes. Ugh, what a stupid question. It's like asking, you know, Chucky is a serial killer that knows voodoo and, like, no, reverse that. It's a doll and what? Ugh, <laughs> uh, okay. I just, I just couldn't believe it. And I don't know if we're ever going to watch Annabelle, nor do I want to, but I wanted to get that out of the way. <laughs> Annabelle has been recommended. Oh, to be paired up with Chucky, but we're not going to do that. We're going to do Chucky and the remake, which is coming out very soon. But not next week. But not next week. But Kelsey has agreed to subject herself to both Chucky movies. Because you guys hate me, apparently. I am so proud of you. And I love you. And we've seen Child's Play before. I will be just as inebriated as I was last time. (laughs) All right, Kelsey. Next up is 2004's Shaun of the Dead, written by Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright. Directed by Edgar Wright, starring Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, Kate Ashfield, and Bill Nye. I gotta say, Edgar Wright is absolutely, he is one of my top five favorite film directors of all time, for sure. We already did uh, Zodiac and Seven. David Fincher is one of those top five for me. And Edgar Wright is is one as well. I fucking love Edgar Wright, even though Kelsey is like, eh, like one or two of his movies she likes, and that is it. Well, I've only seen so many. You do not like Hot Fuzz, which is just a I fucking... I do like Hot Fuzz. I just don't think it's anywhere near as good as Shaun oh, of the it's, Dead. It's the it best was, in the Cornetto trilogy It was a disappointment. Me. That's what it more was. Uh, yeah, because I think a lot of people were expecting a sequel to Shaun of the Dead, which they thought about making, by the way. Mm-hmm. It was going to be called Shaun of the Dead from Dusk Till Shaun. <laughs> And and they were going to do vampires or some other monster. Oh, well, and it was going to go through. But they really, really like the idea of Shaun of the Dead being like a self-contained beginning to end story. But they should just make more spoofs on horror. Yeah. So well, instead of doing horror, they did like... Action. Which is probably another reason why like I didn't really like it. Cop action. So yes. it's, you know, all those cliches. Uh, that it pulls from just as well, and maybe why I like it a lot. And then they did uh, World's End, Never which is... Never saw it. I have no idea. It is like it. way better than I think the public at large gives it credit for, because I think it's more like, oh, here's another one, and Simon Pegg is kind of the main character, but he's also a douchebag. Like, what is this? Watch it again, people. It is It is pretty good. It is definitely number three on that list, and Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz are really close for me, but in my heart, I know Hot Fuzz is the best one. I'm sorry. He learned a lot after making this movie. Because before this was Spaced, which he made with Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. It was a TV show in the UK, which starred Simon Pegg and... Jessica Hines, who plays Yvonne in this, she's the leader of the other group of people in Shaun of the Dead. Yeah. It's this whole kind of sitcom conceit where they're living together and pretending to be a couple because they thought that's what the landlord 
expected them to be when she rented out the flat to them. But it's a really good show that's two seasons long. One of those episodes of Spaced has a segment where Simon Pegg is up all night playing Resident Evil 2. And he has a dream where he wakes up and his apartment is infested with zombies and he's got to kill them. That was the inspiration for Shaun of the Dead, which is what we get here. And then they made Shaun of the Dead. I just think that their next movie, Hot Fuzz, was really, really good. Edgar Wright would go on to do Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, which is another really fucking good movie. I love that movie. And Baby Driver, which I didn't love as much, but the execution and skill involved really blew me away. Kelsey was very unimpressed by it. And it's kind of hard to watch now for, I think, reasons you understand. (laughs) But in any case, what is Shaun of the Dead about? It's just about a guy, regular Joe Schmo type of dude, and the zombie apocalypse happens, and he tries to save his mom and his girlfriend who had just broken up with him the day before. And it's just... It is so good. If you have not seen this, go and watch it now. Yeah, I was going to talk about where you can get it and how much it would cost and then ask you if it's worth seeing. Should people watch it? The answer is just yes. Regardless of price, this is one of those movies where everyone listening should have seen this. And if it's just on your pile of shame, take this as an opportunity to watch it because you don't want us spoiling shit for you. And then come back and we'll have a conversation about it. Uh, But if you must know, it is free on Stars. You can rent it for $4 or buy it for $15 on iTunes and Prime and that sort of stuff. So it is absolutely available to stream, and we would both highly, highly recommend it. This is one of those instances where you don't get the choice of taking our advice or leaving it. When we get back, we will talk about 2004's Shaun of the Dead. Do you ever think that modern life is not for you? Do you do the same dead-end job every day? Is your love life dying on its feet? To a wonderful mom. Oh. Have you ever felt that you're turning into... Something in the world. A zombie? So, what's the plan? Bash him in the head, that seems to work out. Why have we got a girl lizard? Because I love her. All right, gay. Okay, Kelsey, get us started. How does Shaun of the Dead begin? We open with Sean, played by Simon Pegg, and his girlfriend... Liz, played by Kate Ashfield. They are having a conversation in a bar. Sean is smoking and drinking, and she's saying, I know he's your roommate, but, you know, he's just not very intelligent, and I want to do something new. And Sean just doesn't get it. Sean is just an idiot and just like, what do you mean something new? And what's wrong with everything that we normally do? And also her roommates are there as well. 
Yeah, so when each of them are introduced, this is what I'm talking about when I talk about Edgar Wright. It's it's like he cares. Surprise, surprise. He just puts a little effort into every single shot that he does. And this is a perfect example right at the beginning of the movie. When Ed is introduced playing the video game, it's like an arcade game, and we'll talk about it later. The shot is framed in such a way where Sean and Liz are on either side of the shot, and right in the middle is Ed, showing that Ed is getting in between Sean and Liz. And then when the other couple, her friends, are introduced, Diane and David... They are also framed in between the two of them because from the other's perspective, these friends are getting in in the middle of their relationship and they're causing strife and an inability for these two to connect. That's not totally what's happening, but it might be how these people feel. And it's expressed that way through the cinematography. And I think stuff like that is really, really clever. And they're going to be tons of those moments and we will not reference every single one we'll just give you a little bit of flavor each time it happens we find very quickly that david is very much in love with liz Uh, he is constantly on liz's side even when it doesn't make sense yeah and constantly worried about what she thinks and what she wants to do we'll get that throughout the movie yeah and he kind of ignores Diane his girlfriend who yes. by the way is played by Lucy Davis who you might know as the Pam character from the British office we also learn that Liz desperately wants to meet Sean's mother and she hasn't yet which is after insane. three years uh-huh. they have not met Hey, our parents met. It took them forever to meet, but we've definitely they, met they our met parents. a couple times. Yeah. It's just, it was very informal. They also do some clever work by showing us that we're all already zombies. The way that we move, the way that we stare at things, the way that we just do the same things over and over and over again. Yes. So there's this whole montage after this moment when we know that their relationship is on the rocks. Liz wants to do more, become more adult, do more... Uh, cosmopolitan things, and all Sean is interested in doing is the same old shit. Playing video games with Ed and... Drinking. Drinking at the Winchester, which is where they are in this moment. Uh, So then we go to him, like, getting ready for his day, and we meet their roommate, Peter Serafinowicz. Who also wants to get rid of Ed. Because he doesn't contribute to the house at all. He doesn't clean. He doesn't take right messages. He doesn't He doesn't work, so he doesn't add any money uh-huh. to the pot. There's a great joke about how uh, he sells drugs, and that's where he gets his money. And Simon Pegg, Sean, says, well, so what? You sold – it's just weed. You sold weed. And he's like, yeah, once in college to you. <laughs> oh, he sells a bit of weed every now and again, you know? You've sold puff. Yeah, once, at college, to you. Well, look, I've known him since primary school, you know? I like having him around, he's a laugh. Well, because he can impersonate an orangutan. Fuck a doodle do. I'll leave him alone. All right, I admit, he can be pretty funny on occasion. Like that time we stayed up all night drinking apple schnapps and playing Tekken 2. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> when was that? That was five years ago. When's he going home? 
Sean is getting ready for work, and on his way to work, we get sort of a montage, right? We hear all these different, like, uh, news stations talking about this crazy shit, but Sean is too bored to listen. Yes. It does a couple of things. Number one, it creates that parallel for Sean's life about how he's just kind of wandering through it like a zombie, uh, which is pretty obvious. We get two. It's an homage to... Dawn of the Dead, which is all about, you know, consumerism and stuff like that, this touches on that, where it's just our baser instincts where we get on the bus, we go to work, or, you know, that sort of thing. And three, it's a setup for the everyone's dead moment later on. We're going to get in a one where we see after everyone becomes zombies, they're all doing virtually the he, same thing. He doesn't notice any difference. Yes. When he gets to work, we see that he's... He's 29 years old and he works in like a an electronics store. An electronics store and yes. he, he's talking about how like, you know, I'm not going to be here forever and it's like I got things I want to do with my life. When? When? It's <laughs> <laughs> so perfectly delivered. Love it. But I know you don't want to be here forever. You know, I got things I want to do in my life. When? He also says you got red on you, which yeah. is the thing that we uh-huh. Say something. And so the, the the kid who disrespects him and says when and all of that, that's Noodle, by the way, when Ed, Nick Frost, gets on the phone to Noodle. He talks on the phone to Noodle twice, I think, in the movie. Two seconds. Hey, Noodle. You all right, mate? Yeah, man, I can't really talk now. Did you get anything yet? I've got nothing. Really? No, I'm right in the middle of something. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Oi, what are you doing? He's talking to this kid who's looking for drugs. That's so funny. Uh, he gets a call from his stepfather, who's saying, don't forget to come tomorrow for your bi-monthly visit. Uh, don't f forget the flowers that you forgot last time. Yeah. Um, his turn, by the way, is so good. So we... we we're introduced to Bill Nye's character of his of Sean's stepfather. From behind, he's just standing there, and when Sean comes up to him, he just kind of does a 180 turn, and it's very stiff, and it is per just a perfect little moment of visual comedy. It's so good. When everyone is starting to turn, Sean still does not notice. He doesn't notice people running around, chaos on the news, a man eating a bird in the background. Yeah, they even go to the Winchester when they don't know what to do and still have no idea what's going on. Military vehicles are everywhere. Everyone is getting sick. That's why Sean is in charge for the day, because his manager was sick. Uh-huh. And, oh, we forgot to mention that Sean has quieted Liz... By telling her he's going to change, by saying he's going to make reservations for the place with all the fish. When he looks it up later in the yellow pages, it, it shows, like, that's the, the, the restaurant's tagline, is <laughs> the place, the place with, all the, with fish. all the fish, yeah. He completely forgets and does not book it at all. So his plan to make it up to her is to take her to the Winchester, which is exactly what she was saying she did not want to do. Yes. And so she says, all right, that's it. I don't want to see you anymore. Yeah, he had he had bought flowers for his mom, just like Bill Nighy had, had told him to do. And he brings those to Liz when he tries to make it up to her. 
and she's like, they say, to the world's greatest mom or something like that. And he tries to say, oh, it's a, it's a joke for when you said you didn't want to be my mom. And she's like, are these for your mom? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> she just gives them back to him. There's there's some fun lines here because uh, he's she's like, you know, we never go anywhere. And he's like, we went to Greece. We met in Greece. <laughs> so good. And David is like, Liz, he's no good for you, whatever. And he goes, get fucked, four eyes. <laughs> Basically, I'd say your nine lives were up, Sean. Get Fucked, four eyes. We all know you're in love with her. I don't know what you mean by that. <laughs> I don't know what he means by that. So instead, Ed takes Sean out to the Winchester. Yeah. And he's trying to cheer him up. He does a few things to cheer him up. First of all, he does Clyde, which is a reference to Any Which Way But Loose. Never seen it. Clint Eastwood movie. It's actually two movies, 78's Every Which Way But Loose and 80's Any Which Way You Can, where Clint Eastwood is partnered with an ape, Clyde, <laughs> right turn Clyde, that's where that comes from, because Clyde would do hand signals out the window, <laughs> and he says right turn Clyde, and Clyde throws his hand out the window and knocks over a string of bikes when he's mad at some bikers. But yes, he does do those gestures and stuff like that. That's apparently something that Nick Frost would do, like actually at parties to make people laugh, and they threw it in this, because Nick Frost, Simon Pegg, and Edgar Wright are all friends from way back, and they worked on space together, like I said. They're sitting there talking, and the jukebox comes on, playing If You Leave Me Now. Yes. And he's like, who put this on? He goes, it's on random. (laughs) Which will be a joke that will come up again. Yes. And he's like, you know, she says we always just go to the Winchester. She doesn't want to become an old drunk person wondering what happened to her life. And And Ed says, that's harsh. These are very interesting characters. And he says, you know, she's an ex-porn star. Uh Oh, he was in the military or whatever. But (laughs) they're talking about the Winchester that is above the bar. And Ed's saying, you know, that's loaded. And he goes, that doesn't work. You know it doesn't work because the same guy says dogs can't look up. Yes. And they will say this several times throughout the movie. It's true. Big Al says so. Yeah, well, Big Al also says dogs can't look up. So the thing about dogs can't look up, let's stop here for a moment and talk about this. Yes, dogs absolutely can look up. That is totally not a thing, and it was never a thing until this movie. And then people started actually arguing about whether dogs could look up. Your dogs are like two feet off the ground. They have to look up at everything. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And another funny line, they're sitting there and they're talking about how bad it is. And Ed's like, hey, at least it's not the end of the world. Yes. But it is. Yes. Uh, He also comes up with a plan. And yes, okay, there is a fuck ton of foreshadowing in this movie. Just a ton of effort went into the script. And we all know that Nick Frost, when he comes up with his plan of what they're going to do, each point in the plan is something that happens later on in the actual movie. You know what we should do tomorrow? Keep drinking. We'll have a Bloody Mary first thing. Have a bite of the king's head. Couple of the little princess. We'll stagger back in. Bang! Back at the bar for shots. How's that for a slice of fried gold? It's all a reference to other things. We'll have a Bloody Mary. Mary's the name of the zombie in their backyard, like, and so on and so on. It's a reference to things that end up happening. Oh, interesting. And there is... There are tons of those throughout the movie. Just, it's littered, chock full of them. It's very, very good, but we're not going to cover all of them. 
I will, however, cover every single reference of note in this movie. When they are leaving the bars at the end of the night, they're singing white lines. Oh, God. And they first run into a zombie and it's going down the alleyway and they, they try to get it to chime in. And he's like, uh, what, what's he doing? It's not even, he's supposed to say break or whatever it is that he says in white lines. <laughs> Oh, I get higher, baby. I get higher, baby. I get higher, girl. Oh. What's he doing? It's like bass. Or freeze. What a tip. When they get home, they're playing their music very loud, which causes their roommate Pete to come out. And they're like, come on, it's Saturday. And he's like, no, it's not. It's Sunday. (laughs) It's four o'clock in the morning. I have to get up soon because I have to go into work because my boss is sick. Uh Um, I've got a splitting headache and I was mugged on the way home. And they say, what happened to your hand? And he says, one of the muggers bit me. Yeah. Where did they bite you? I don't know. I didn't stop to ask them. So I'll know what's going to happen there. (laughs) Yes. And he explains, you know, well, Liz left me. And he's like, okay, fine. Just go to bed. Yeah. Okay, I'm not mad anymore, but you got to go to bed. But when he leaves, Ed says prick. And that's what causes Pete to go over the edge. And he says, why don't you go live in the shed? Uh Uh-huh. Again, another foreshadowing moment. (laughs) Yes, because he will end up living in the shed. Uh, Spoiler alert. Um... (laughs) And he says, he says the big thing that really makes Sean fucking finally wake up. He says, does it make it easier having someone more of a loser than you around mm-hmm. to make you feel better about yourself? Yeah. That's why you keep your friend Ed around. That's when Sean just flips out and tells Ed to sort his life out. Yeah. The next day, we get a phone call from Sean's mother asking if she should get something special because she's hoping, she also wants to meet Liz, Uh and she's hoping that Liz will come. And she's like, oh, you know, most people don't eat meat these days. Uh A joke about the zombies. And again, Sean's not noticing any of the carnage that's happening around him. He walks into the store that he goes to every day, doesn't notice that the owner is kind of coming after him in the background. Uh, that there's bloody handprints on the door to the cooler that he gets his, his soda from. But you might notice the first time he got a Coke, this time he gets a Diet Coke. Uh-huh. He's turning his life around. Yes. He also gets a Cornetto for Ed, who... Which uh, is an ice cream. Yes. So that's the type of people these are. Soda and ice cream for well, breakfast. Apparently, this is an Edgar Wright thing. He would he would buy Cornettos as a hangover cure. And that's why he put it in this movie. And then that led to the whole thing being called the Cornetto Three Flavors Trilogy. And flavors has a U in it. Uh, and so oh. each of these three movies is, represents a different flavor. This is like strawberry or something like that because it's red because of the blood. Ice cream really does help with hangovers. Yeah. A big juicy burger and an ice cream. Yeah, it's grease. Will really make you feel better. <laughs> uh, grease, carbohydrates, 
and ice cream, I think is a good one. <laughs> he sits down and he's watching TV and he doesn't like anything that's on TV. And as he cycles through, uh, we get, of course, a, it's very obvious. All the little clips are being strung together to tell the story of what's going on in the world that Sean hasn't even noticed yet. It's what I like to call the Panic on the Streets of London segment. Because you get that moment, panic on the streets of London. Although no one official is prepared to comment, religious groups are calling it Judgment Day. There's panic on the streets of London. As an increasing number of reports of serious attacks on people who are literally being eaten alive. A witness reports are sketchy. One unifying detail seems to be that the attackers in many instances appear to be dead excited to have with us here a sensational... We get the whole thing in a, in a nice little creative way. In a normal movie, hell, even in um, This Is The End, the way they do it is it's just a news report that's on TV saying that the world is ending while they're talking about getting food and getting high. And it's not creative at all. I love This Is The End, but this is what I'm talking about when Edgar Wright puts those little touches in absolutely everything, jam-fucking-packed full of stuff. And this is when Ed says there's a woman in the garden. Yes. There's a girl in the garden. They come out there and they're trying to get her attention. But the way that she's walking, they assume that she's drunk because that's what they would be. If uh -huh. they were acting that way, they would, it would be because they were drunk. They're messing around with her. They take her picture. But then she starts to come after them. Again, they think that she's drunk. They think that she wants a kiss. And then he has to forcibly push her off of him, which causes her to fall onto something. It's a, uh, it's like an umbrella stand. And so they're looking at it like, oh my God, we just killed someone. Uh, just the looks on their faces is so good. <laughs> but then she pretty quickly gets herself back up and uh. then their faces, oh my God, we did not kill her because she cannot die. Oh my God. Uh-huh. So he tries calling all the different police, but everything is, as the British put it, engaged. Yeah. In busy. America, we call it busy. Uh-huh. They just are throwing stupid crap at her, and eventually an ashtray hits her, and they're like, ooh. And then they hear on the TV, removing the head or destroying the brain. Which is a reference to Night of the Living Dead. Yes. That's the only way. So they throw an album at her. And it gets caught in her skull. So they're like, oh, albums will work. Uh -huh. So then they have this funny little scene where they're talking about different albums. Yeah, they, they start with New Order's Blue Monday, and Sean is very upset because it was a, an original pressing. And so then they start to say yes or no to the albums, including Princess Purple Rain, no. Princess Sign of the Times, definitely not. Princess Batman soundtrack, throw it. <laughs> and so on and so forth. There's another dude that shows up, this giant dude, and they're they're throwing all these albums at them. So when all these records aren't doing anything, they decide they're finally going to break into the shed, which has been locked since they moved in. And they come out with some weapons. So Sean gets a cricket bat, which he's going to use for the rest of the movie, basically. And Ed gets a shovel. They go out and they just beat them to death. They go back inside and they hear, they hear on the TV... If you know anyone who's been bitten, you need to isolate them immediately. Yeah, and they're Pete like, oh, shit. <laughs> was bitten. So they call up to him. <laughs> they're trying calling up to him. They don't hear anything. They shout out, oi, prick. When he doesn't respond to that, they say, okay, he's not here. And they decide they're going to take his car. 
Yes. To carry out their plan. So, Kelsey, what is their plan? Well, they go through several versions of Uh the plan, but the final plan is to pick up Sean's mother. Kill Bill Nye. Kill his stepdad because his stepdad has also been bitten. Yeah, he finds out from his mom. Pick up Liz. Go to the Winchester and wait for all the blowover. Uh I do enjoy the conversation that he has with his mother. No, I'm fine, I'm fine. Well, they were a bit bitey. Oh my god, mom, have you been bitten? No, no, oh thank god. But Bill Nye was. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like he's relieved when he finds out that it was just him, that's all. And then uh, he's like, you know, we're coming to get you. And she's like, no, no, I'm fine. And this is when Ed runs up. We're coming to get you, Barbara. (laughs) Listen, mom, sit tight, okay? You're not safe there. We're coming over. We're coming to get you, Barbara! Which is a joke from Night of the Living Dead. Yes, which apparently George Romero didn't catch. They screened it for him privately before it came out, and afterwards they, they brought it up and he had he didn't recognize it. Oh, bummer. <laughs> I love that line. We're coming to get you, Barbara. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it! You're ignorant. Yes, eventually, guys, we will do Night of the Living Dead. (laughs) You guys just keep asking us to do other zombie movies. (laughs) When they're about to leave, like, Ed goes, yeah, boy. It's very funny. Yeah, they agree. He he impersonates Flava Flav, and they they knock their weapons together when they decide on their plan. Yeah, boy. (laughs) Meanwhile, the TV is saying, stay in your home. (laughs) Do not try to save loved ones. That's exactly what they're about to do. Ed will also say zombie. Any zombies out there? Don't say that. What? That. What? That. The dead word. Don't say it. Why not? Because it's ridiculous. All right. Are there any out there, though? Sean tells him not to. Don't use that Z word. The Z word, Which yeah. for Americans, the first time I heard it, I had no idea what the fuck that meant. Yes. It's like, Z word? What the hell does that mean? Yeah, uh, countries that are more closely associated with British English, like Australia and other such countries, say Z instead of Z. It's also why in Men in Black, there's Agent Z, not Agent Z. I had no idea. Yeah. Rip Torn's character is Agent Zed. R.I.P. We're not having an intergalactic kegger? Yes, him. (laughs) We're not hosting an intergalactic kegger down here. They go first to Barbara's house, and Ed gets really excited when he sees Bill Nye's Jaguar out there, and he really wants to drive it, and he's like, I'll just stay out here, you go in and get her, and if I see any danger, I'll just honk three times or whatever. It's just an excuse. What he ends up doing is he ends up purposefully crashing Pete's car, so they have to take the Jaguar. When they get there, Barbara, his mother, wants to wait for the doctor, because she doesn't understand what's happening. Sean wants to be the best son that he can be, so he's Mm. trying to be very polite and delicate with his mother, Uh but at the same time, she does not understand the danger that they are in. This is also where we get a little bit more insight into Sean's character and how he hasn't been the easiest son in the world, and he kind of gave Philip, Bill Nye's character, a lot of shit when he was young and his mom started dating again, and she's really frustrated by that, and she's kind of 
decided as loving and as meek as she may seem, she's decided she's had about enough of Sean's shit on this. Mom, you don't understand it. No, it's you that doesn't understand. Philip is my husband and has been for the last 17 years. I know you haven't always seen eye to eye, but I would at least expect you to respect my feelings. I do love when... She says, we're waiting for the doctor. Bill Nye says, I've run it under a cold tap. <laughs> it's going to be fine. I'm quite all right, Barbara. I ran it under a cold tap. He's a very stoic British man. Yeah. For those of you that don't know, Bill Nye is, we're not saying Bill Nye as in the science guy. <laughs> uh, and I think I'm pronouncing his name right. We might be saying it completely wrong this entire time. But he is the pop star in Love Actually. Who Christmas is all around us. It's too many <laughs> syllables. Uh, and he's also the squid monster from Pirates of the Caribbean, Davy Jones. Sean always talks about the fact that he ran around like after him with a bit of wood one time for doing something to the car. And the mother is like, yeah, but you also called him the C word. And he's just like, he told you that? Like, he's all <laughs> mad that, like, uh -huh. Bill Nye told her why he was so upset well, with we're, him. Well, we're starting to get some insight into how people being upset works. They tend to downplay the things they did that might cause other people to be upset and then upplay the things that other people do that made them upset. Yes. And this happens a couple times in the movie where, where it's revealed that, you know, people who thought that they were innocent or thought that they were in the wrong turned out they did some shit that they haven't revealed. Which is always the way it is. It's humanity and that's what I love about it. What would you say if I told you that over the years, Philip's been quite unkind to me? Well, you weren't always the easiest person to live with. Mum, he chased me around the garden with a bit of wood. Well, you did call him a you-know-what. Oh, what, did he tell you that? Yes, he did. Motherfucker. Sean. Sorry, Mother. Mum. So they do decide to to get them out of the house. When they come outside and she sees Ed, my, how you've grown, you better believe it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then he sees the car, you were parked. I <laughs> uh, guess we have to take the Jag. So they get into the Jaguar. And this is a very fun scene. You do realize this is a 20 mile hour zone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> He's having the time of his life. He's hitting zombies. He's going crazy fast in it this is, Jaguar. Yeah. So they get to <laughs> they get to Liz's place and he tries to get out and he can't. And he turns to Bill Nye. Have you still got the child locks on? <laughs> Safety first, Sean. <laughs> so Sean has to climb out through the uh, the skylight. And it, it's at this point. Well, Ed says, watch the leather. Hey, man, watch the leather. Yeah, yeah, is, I'll do the honks. <laughs> no, but that, that's a reference to Matthew McConaughey and Dazed and Confused, who says, watch the leather. Oh, okay. So he runs out. To get to Liz, but when they don't answer the door, he climbs up. Yeah. Which earlier in the film he tried to do and uh -huh. was unsuccessful. Uh -huh. <laughs> but when the threat of death is there, he is successful. Yes. There's something to be noted that uh, basically when the shit hits the fan and he goes into protect my loved ones mode, Sean stops doing selfish things. Like one, almost 100%. Yes. Uh, Everything he does puts his own life in danger in order to what he thinks is help the people he loves in his life. Yes. 
And there is character development here. I mean, yeah. they're showing you some people, you got to kick the shit out of them to get the best out of them. Uh-huh. He will only shine once it's like life or death. Mm-hmm. If it's just regular everyday stuff, he doesn't understand why he has to be any different. Mm-hmm. But when it's like, it's either sink or swim, he will swim. Yeah. They get to Liz's and they're like, uh, we were just going to stay here. And he's like, well, you can't. There's all these zombies trying to break in. And they're like, yeah, now? <laughs> because you showed up. Yes. Uh, and so now they need to get out of there and they're going to hole up in the Winchester. This is a moment where... It's revealed that David turns to Liz to find out what she wants to do and not to Diane, his own girlfriend. Yeah. Uh, And then they all run outside as Sean is whacking zombies. You notice they're all carrying weapons like a golf club and a pipe. Sean is the only one who hits any zombies. This is a character moment, but also Sean's cricket bat was the only padded weapon they had. The others were real pipes and golf clubs, so they couldn't hit the zombies with them. That's funny. <laughs> so it's a, it's a two-in-one. <laughs> so they all cram inside this uh, this car, and this is the first moment that Liz and Barbara are meeting each other. <laughs> yes. On the way to the Winchester, they, of course... They bring up the the gun again, you know, oh, we'll have the gun. Yeah, he also says dogs can't look up. Of course they can. <laughs> and there's a rifle above the bar. I would think that's deactivated. Surely. It's not, I'm telling you. John's connected, Big Al says so. Yeah, well, Big Al also says dogs can't look up. They can't. Oh, can't they? No, they can't. Of course they can. Are you sure? Yes, oh, look, the pub is the right place to go. There's also a moment between Sean and Philip where Philip starts to tell him how difficult it was to be a stepfather to a child who was so old at the time and how he loved him very much and he tried to be a good father and Sean's like shut up stop it he explains that you know you what you really need in your life is motivation and what is the motivation here saving his loved ones yes and so it's at this point that Philip passes out tell dead. before he does he tells him take care of your mom yeah He passes out dead, and Sean yells at them to stop. They do a little spin out in the car, and everyone's like, what's going on? What's going on? And he says that uh, he's really upset, Sean, which, by the way, Simon Pegg does a fantastic job of of being emotional in this movie. Yes, he Um, does. He screams at Barbara that Philip is dead, and she's like, what are you talking about? No, he's not. And he turns, and sure enough, Philip is awake. But his eyes are all milky white. He's a fucking zombie now. And they all freak out and they have to get out of the car. But, of course, the child locks are on. So David, Diane, and Sean are all still in the backseat with the zombie <laughs> Philip. And For Ed, whatever reason, Ed doesn't, doesn't open do the door. <laughs> so Liz is like, Ed, and opens up the door and lets them all out. Yes. This is when they are all trying to be stealthy and start to... Go through backyards to get to the Winchester. They also run into Jessica Hines. So Jessica Hines is the other main character from Spaced, along with Simon Pegg. And she's the leader. They ran into each other earlier in the movie. But she's the leader of another survivor group, which mimics the archetypes that are in Sean's group. So we got the two of them, Tim and Daisy. They're from Spaced. Uh, Lucy, who's Diane in our group, and Martin Freeman is in the other group. Now, Martin Freeman obviously is... The Liz character. Well, he's also, he's Bilbo from... Oh, who he is outside of. The Hobbit. 
And he 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 was the Jim character from The Office to Diane's Pam character. Uh, so there's that reference right there. Of course, they're Don and Tim, not Pam and Jim. It's Don and Tim in the British version of The Office. There are some characters from from Black Books there, Dylan Moran and Tamsin Grieg. Well, don't forget, we've also seen Freeman in one of our movies. Yes, he was in um, Ghost, Stories. Ghost Stories, yes. And he was great in it. Julia Deacon, who plays the, the mom-type character, she's from... Spaced as well, as well as Nick Frost is, obviously. So these are just, in in addition to being a moment for everyone where they were just seeing these two groups that have the same exact archetypes, isn't that funny? There's also a lot of in-jokes here. This is also around the time when they have a conversation and Liz starts to get like, hey, you said this wasn't about us, you said this was about survival. And it's like, well, yeah, but like, we're going to survive, and you know what's going to happen after that. You don't know, but so what? What's the plan? What are we going to do? Like, look at all these fences, <laughs> and he, Simon Pegg to David, because David is the one that's saying like, we can't do this, we can't do that, and he's just like, what's the matter? You're going to let a little fence get in your way, and he he jumps, he goes to hop over it, and mm-hmm. the fence breaks. This is a running joke for all three Cornetto trilogy. Oh, movies. really? Yes. Uh-huh. When does that happen in Hot Fuzz? In Hot Fuzz, he's like an acrobatic expert and does like flips and stuff over the top of the fences. Oh, I thought you meant it was a joke that he would always make a fence break. No, he he would always try to get over a series of fences. So anyway, they run into somebody that they think Barbara – or that Barbara thinks she knows. And she kind of stops. And this is where – we don't see it, but this is where she gets bit. She gets bit by the pajama zombie. Uh, She thought it was somebody she knew, and then it turns out that it wasn't, and they need to deal with it. They end up impaling it on a tetherball pole. Well, I do love when he hears that his mom is screaming, he jumps on a trampoline over the fence Uh to get there, and they give him the tetherball thing, and he's like, yes, and then he, like, swings it. Like it's a mace or something like that? Just to hit him with the ball, and he's Uh like, no, that's rubbish, and they're like, impale him! It's very funny. He spins it around, he impales him against a tree, but now they have a zombie who's stuck here. They decide when they see that between them and the Winchester is a field of zombies. Look, Sean is wrong several times well, in this movie. Because he, he says, I'm going to check if the coast is clear. And he climbs up this little, like, slide. Uh-huh. He comes back down. Well, is it clear? No. <laughs> so there's a thing that Edgar Wright does that's referred to as there and back. And it happens several times in this movie where you watch a character go to a place look at a thing or do a thing, and then calmly walk back before they deliver any of their lines or anything like that. (laughs) Just like there's a moment later on where it happens. Yeah, he goes, he goes up, he looks, he comes back down, and then they ask him well, and he said, nope. (laughs) (laughs) And so they decide that they need to act like zombies in order to get through the zombies. So, Diane... And the whole time, David is being a dick and just saying, like, it won't work, it won't work, and I love when Liz goes, this is hardly constructive, David. (laughs) Uh, But Diane is what Sean called, apparently, a failed actress. Uh, (laughs) I didn't call her a failed actress. (laughs) 
And so she's going to teach them how to be zombies. Of course, there's a moment where she compliments Barbara on her job of acting like a zombie. Sorry, dear. Miles away. Yes, but she's already been bitten, so she's turning into a zombie. So there's that reference there. And then they shuffle their way to the Winchester to find it locked. So they're talking through the mail slot. It's 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 Sean and Ed. We do the quiz. Yeah. <laughs> And they're trying to talk about ways to get in. And David's like, well, let's break the window. Sean is like, then we'll be totally exposed. And David's like, we're totally exposed now. But Sean's trying to tell him there's a back door they could try. But David's too restless and he's decided that Sean is a total fuck up and no good for Liz. Therefore, no good at all. And grabs a trash can and smashes a window. And so they are finally able to get in, but they have to spend a lot of effort trying to prevent the zombies from getting in that same window. So Sean decides to be the sacrifice. Yes. And somehow runs through the crowd. And we'll talk about that. And they all follow after him. Yes. And so he's going to come back later. And it's this great moment where he's sacrificing himself for the group. And then they're trying to argue as to whether or not he'll make it back. And of course, David's like, he's not going to make it back. He's also, not coming back. Barbara finds the flowers. Yes. I think they're for me. <laughs> Come on, Barbara. Leave those. I think they're for me. What did you want to talk about him running through the crowd? Because that's always bothered me. I was always just like, how did he make it at all? Well, they're slow shuffling zombies. Yes. Okay, so there's a series of videos that they made for this called Plot Holes. And they're drawn like comic books, but they're narrated by the individual characters. And there are three of them. There's one for Sean, there's one for Diane, and there's one for Ed, where people think, well, what happened here? We didn't get to see what happened, so we'd like to know the story. And so Sean's is the story about how he got away from the zombies and then got back. Literally all he did is he just ran through them and then kept running ahead, but then had to stop every like 20 feet or so and let them catch up because they're slow, shambling zombies, which they do on purpose because they, they're... They're not doing the whole running zombies thing. So he has to stop every once in a while and catch up. And this is why it's taking him so long and why he's gone for so long. And eventually he's able to turn a corner and then go into an alleyway and jump into a garbage a dumpster. And he waits for them to pass by and then he gets out and then he goes back. But what he doesn't realize is that some of the zombies at the back of the group notice that he is headed the other way and then they follow him all back again. But now... There's a big gap between where he is and where they are, so he has no idea they're following him. Mm. But yeah, he can get through. You can rush through because they're just shambling zombies. It's when you get overwhelmed that's the problem. Mm. Of course, David is being a dick again. We are in a pub. What are we going to do? And Liz is just like, I don't know, but we're here now and we need to make the best of it. And that is when Sean comes back. Yes. So they're trying to hang out and trying to pass the time. And Sean is going to turn on... One of the switches. And that's when he sees... All the zombies that followed him back. Yes, but he does not tell them about their predicament. Uh-huh. At least not right away. <laughs> Ed turns on the the slot machine video game like an idiot that's like right like an idiot yeah which is called ooh ah dracula but it plays the music from phantom of the opera 
Dun, 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 dun. I I've dun, never dun, dun, noticed. Yes. Uh-huh. Um, I've never noticed that. Yes. That that slot machine arcade game is in all three of the Cornetto movies as well. And so that gets David really upset. And then so they get into a Mexican standoff, which just recently I was watching a video about what defines a Mexican standoff. Like, no joke. I just happened to be watching this video. And... Basically, what what constitutes a Mexican standoff is it could be any number of people involved in a standoff where no one has the advantage. And if anyone does anything, they're all fucked. This one in particular is based off of the one in Reservoir Dogs because Barbara is going to turn and David pulls the gun on her. And that's right. Yes. yes. He, he's like, she's going to change. You know, she will. Uh-huh. So Sean breaks the glass and puts it to his throat. He and says, that's, stop pointing that gun at my mom. And that's, that's when Ed breaks another one and, and goes, yeah, I love <laughs> I love his. Yeah. And that's when Diane says, this is hardly fair. And she gets the one that Ed had. Ed hands one to her, and then he breaks a new one. <laughs> yeah, so she puts that to Sean's throat, and then he breaks another one and puts it to David's throat. Yeah, so it's really funny. But Sean says, don't point that gun at my mom. The reference to Reservoir Dogs Mexican standoff is where uh, Nice Guy Eddie or Chris Penn's character says, stop pointing that fucking gun at my dad. Stop pointing that gun at my mom! Larry, stop pointing that fucking gun at my dad! Um, which is obviously that famous moment from Reservoir Dogs. He's also wearing a red tie, Sean is, as a bandana around his head. That's a reference to Christopher Walken in Deer Hunter. Yes. Okay, so we, we did a little jump there to the Mexican standoff. But after Ed does his thing with the jukebox and it starts to make lots of noise and all the zombies start to show up, this is when the landlord shows up. And the jukebox comes on, it gets bumped and turns on, and it turns on Don't Stop Me Now by Queen. Oh, one of the greatest scenes ever to a yes. song. This is where Sean says, kill the queen. David, kill the queen! What's with the jukebox? To David. What? <laughs> which is a reference to the fact that David's going to try to kill Sean's mom. Well, also turning off the jukebox. Well, you know, that's literally what he's telling them. Yes. I'm saying it's figuratively oh. a reference to... David trying to kill. And also, you don't say kill the queen. Yeah. <laughs> they end up fighting the landlord in time to the music, which is something that Edgar Wright really likes to do. He likes to do his blocking. He likes to do his line delivery. And he likes to do his editing to music. And he gets better and better at it each movie until finally he did Baby Driver, which is almost nothing but that. Well, I love this scene. Doing it to Don't Stop Me Now is so great. They're fighting off this zombie, and the choreography is so much fun. Yes. At one point, Diane tries to throw darts at the zombie and ends up hitting Sean in the head. No! Yes! No! This is a reference to Tim and Don in The Office, where Martin Freeman plays darts right near Lucy's head, Diane's character, Don. Right next to her head. So that's another throwback to a reference to The Office. I once got yelled at by a dude. I I threw a dart and a girl was standing near it. And I just, it was just a stupid, it was just a moment of stupidity for me. I was like 13. Uh-huh. And I mean, like, it wasn't going to hit her, but it was a stupid thing to do. 
And the camp counselor guy like yelled at me so uh, bad. I like ran away. <laughs> so this is when Ed throws the Winchester at Sean, who hits him with it and shoves him into the jukebox. And this is a reference to Brannigan. Do you know what Brannigan is, Kelsey? I do not. I'm very surprised. Brannigan is a John Wayne movie. Also a Richard Attenborough movie. I'm surprised because I know your dad loves John Wayne, but he loved the John Wayne Westerns, right? Yes. So this is a John Wayne detective film. Oh, no. I didn't even know he ever played a detective. Yes. Where the actor who plays John, the landlord of the Winchester, was a character in Brannigan, and he also gets thrown into a jukebox. Mm. So references on references on references. Ed asks him why he didn't just shoot the zombie and... Ed's like, well, because I told you the gun is not functional, and he, and he fires the gun, and of course, it actually works, and they find out it's fully loaded. To so which then, Ed says, I fucking knew it, uh-huh. and then Sean says, okay, but dogs can look up. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you just shoot him, man? Ed, for the last time. I fucking knew it. What did I tell you? Big Al was right. Okay. But dogs can look up. So this is when we have the moment with Barbara. And it's very, very sad. And Sean really gets pissed off at at David. But David's kind of right. But he's being a dick about it. And ultimately, Sean has to do the right thing and kill Barbara. Once she turns. Yes. Also, though, he gives a little, like, motivational speech. And he talks about a, some famous quote. And when he's done, Liz comes up to him and she's like, that was from a Guinness commercial, wasn't it? <laughs> yes, Sean says, as Bertrand Russell once said, the only thing that will redeem mankind is cooperation. I think we can all appreciate the relevance of that now. Liz says, was that on a beer mat? Sean says, yeah, it was Guinness extra cold. And Liz says, I won't say anything. And Sean says, thanks. Uh-huh. That right there, my friends, is love. Uh-huh. It happens again, but in reverse for another moment, you know, where your significant other recognizes that you're cribbing something or we just saw that on TV the last week or whatever, recognizes why it is you do the things you do and where you get your references from, but still keeps your secrets. Like, <laughs> that's love, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> when they are trying to decide whether or not to kill Barbara before she turns, Sean does say, you know, like, that's what this is about. You just hate me. That's the only reason you want to kill her right now. And he says, he calls him something and Pete goes, or David goes, I'm not that. And he goes, well, you look like one. And Ed says, yeah, again, I love Ed's yes. <laughs> You're the one that's gone from being a chartered accountant to Charlton Heston. I'm not a chartered accountant. Well, you look like one. Yeah. I'm a lecturer. You're a twat. Yeah. David tells Sean that he did the right thing. And Sean's like, fuck you. And he punches him. And David decides, well, first of all, he he grabs the Winchester and tries to shoot Sean, literally, and then it clicks. And that's when he's like, like fuck it, shit. I'm leaving. Yes, he can't deal with the fact that he literally just tried to shoot Sean and then couldn't follow through with it, even though he wanted to. Like, it's very embarrassing for him. Yes. And so he decides he's going to leave. They try to stop him. Get away from that door this Instant. Yeah, Diane's mad. Yes, I know you love Liz. I know I'm your second choice, but I've gotten over that. Now you need to, too. And it's at this moment where 
the zombies break through the glass and they rip him out. Diane goes after him. Yeah, they, they rip all his guts out, which is a reference to how Captain Rhodes dies in Day of the Dead. Did we not watch that on this show? Did we watch that independently? Because I feel like I've seen that scene where the guy gets his guts ripped out while he's surrounded by zombies and he's still alive. That was alive. in Dawn of the Dead. That's what I thought, but apparently it's also in Day of the Dead. I'm which sure it's I in guess, a lot of zombie which movies. Which I guess we haven't seen, but specifically from the Dead trilogy. Or I guess it's not even a trilogy anymore, is it? They They get his legs... They pop off as they're trying to pull him back in. And Diane, die. she gets all gung-ho. She picks up David's leg like a club. And she she's going to kick the shit out of these zombies. And she goes out the front door. And we never see her again for the rest of the movie. This is another plot hole moment that they did a video on. So what happens is she rushes out there, starting swinging the leg around. That's how she gets through all the zombies, where... Once she gets to the other side of the crowd, she realizes, what the fuck am I doing? She comes to her senses and she climbs a tree and she stays in that tree for a couple of days. She wakes up first and the whole place has already been cleared out after the end of the movie. And But she stays up in the tree just in case for a couple of days surviving on David's leg. <laughs> and ultimately she goes and lives with an ant. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> she still keeps in touch with uh, Sean and Liz, who, spoiler alert, survived the movie. That's fun. They end up using the Winchester. They shoot a bunch of them. They end up shooting a bell, which then, like, the, the, the bullets spray, and they hit a bunch of more of the zombies. They try to do a Molotov cocktail, Ed does, because now the whole place is getting swarmed by zombies. And um, I don't know what happened to Well, it. he ends up getting attacked, mm -hmm. uh, but it just kind of disappears, yeah. which is unfortunate. But he gets attacked by Pete, who has shown up at this point, amongst other zombies, including, I think her name is Bernie, the, the, the other landlord, the John's wife. And he gets bit. And they end up lighting the top of the bar on fire and hiding behind the bar to try to save them. They don't have any more bullets because they were on top of the bar. Those things go off on their own, which would really happen. I think I shared this story on the show before. My dad shot himself in the leg, throwing a bullet into a bonfire. You never told just me Just to then. see what would happen. Uh, I think actually he got hit by the casing and not the bullet itself. But he has a scar on his leg because of that. In any case, they decide they're going to go down to the cellar, which is how they would deliver barrels of beer in the bar's past. So they go down into the cellar and they have two bullets and Ed's going to change and they decide, OK, well, we're going to have to kill ourselves. And Ed's like, don't worry, I don't need it. You two, you two do it. I'll stay here and I'll take care of everything. And... They're trying to figure out the logistics. Well, one's going to have to kill the other and then themselves. And Sean's like, I don't think I can do it. They try to get out earlier through the trap door, but it's not opening and they don't know why. As they're sitting down there, I think they're going to light cigarettes or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Liz saved the cigarettes that Sean threw away in her apartment. And they're going to have a, a one last cigarette before they kill themselves. And they turn on a lighter, which is where they see the controls for the cellar lift <laughs> like oh shit that's why it wouldn't open it's electronically controlled <laughs> and ed says i'll give me the gun i'll take the two bullets and i'll buy you some time but he's already dead so there's nothing they can do about it tearful goodbye 
and they use the lift to get up. And as soon as they get up and they're about ready to start more fighting with zombies when the military shows up. Just like at the end of the mist. Yes. Uh-huh. And but they don't kill themselves. And first. Yvonne survived. Yes, she shows up with the military, but it's just her. And she's like, oh, I'm glad you guys, somebody made it, you know. Also recognizing that Sean and Liz are the only two that survived from their group. Also, they've already gotten back together because he said, you don't want to die single, do you? <laughs> yes. Who said, she asked who says we're back together, and that's yeah. why he says that, yeah. So they go through and sweep and try to find survivors, and we open up on the next scene with all the TV shows talking about what life is like now that the zombie apocalypse has happened and has been quelled. Because here's the thing about a zombie apocalypse. A zombie's food source is also its biggest predator. It can either eat or multiply, but not both. And they're rotting flesh. So there's only so long they can last. A zombie apocalypse would not last very long. And yes, of course, the military would shut that shit right the fuck down. (laughs) So... There really is no danger, but if it happened, what would life be like after it happened, right? That's the question. And so they have game shows where they're pitting zombies against each other, people talking on talk shows about how I love my zombie husband or They you know, use all them for, like, uh, janitorial work. Yeah, because they still have those impulses to do what they've always been, what they've always been doing in their real life, just like in Dawn, Dawn of the, the Dead. Dead. And so they use them, and we see noodles – or Noodle, whatever his name is, like, collecting shopping carts. So we know he turned into a zombie. And he'll be stuck there for the rest of his life. Yes, which is what he said he didn't want to do. And we get Liz and Sean, and they're happy, and they're talking about what they're going to do. She's happy just living her regular life. Yes, and Sean says, I'm just going to go out to the shed. And she's like, yeah, okay. And he goes out to the shed, and there is Ed. And they're going to play video games in the shed he tries to eat him. He's like, hey. And then he just goes back to playing the video game. Yes. And they play best friend. Yes. But again, by Queen. So the third plot hole video is about Ed. How did Ed make it to the shed? So he didn't turn until way later. He shot some zombies as we saw. And as they were coming in, he ended up hiding behind the big fat one that he killed underneath the stairs where he quietly died. Military comes through and sweeps the place, but before there's any cleanup, they sweep the place and look for survivors and they move on to the next place. So between the time that that happens and the cleanup happens, he awakens as a zombie who hasn't been killed yet because he was dead on the floor when the military came through. And as a zombie, he makes his way back to his and Sean's place where they find him in the shed. And so that's how he makes it back. And Sean has been training him not to bite. Which is only going so well, but it's going kind of well. <laughs> a lot of fun. Yes, and that's the end of the movie. Kelsey, lightning round. I, I actually have... think I got everything in. Okay, I have we a fuck ton of shit. I talked about how Simon Pegg, Nick Frost, and Edgar Wright are all from Spaced. If you've ever seen those moments where adults in a tense situation break out into a fake gunfight, that comes from Spaced. It's... Uh, it's in, it's in one of those episodes. George Romero liked Shaun of the Dead so much that he put Simon Pegg and Edgar Wright in Land of the Dead as zombies. Huh. The movie opens with Ghost Town, which I get, but I know that song from Snatch. This town, ah, uh, it's coming like a ghost town, ah. Uh, 
That's the song that kind of opens the movie, but not quite. The movie actually opens with the song that they found in a music library where, you know, you buy entire libraries and then they put it in as, as incidental music throughout movies or other things. That happened to be the same exact song that was used in Dawn of the Dead. You know, the, the, the music that you hear right when the Universal logo is being shown. It just happened to be that they found it and they're like, oh shit, yeah, let's put it in. And so they found it in the post-production process. <laughs> you also hear the Muzak from Dawn of the Dead at the end of the credits of Shaun of the Dead. You know, the that song from Dawn of the Dead is played at the end of the credits. If you speak Hindi, the shop owner is listening to the radio uh, and when Sean goes back and everyone's starting to turn into zombies, uh, something that the host on the show says is people are waking up from their graves. The game that they're playing is Time Splitters 2. And when Sean tells Ed what to do in the game, it's the same exact exchange, but in reverse when Sean has the Winchester yes, in the bar. That was a cute scene. This movie was pushed back because it was going to be coming out the same time as the Dawn of the Dead remake, which was also released by Universal. <laughs> uh, but they only pushed it back two weeks because they thought it would be kind of a nothing film. It was low budget. It wasn't going to be competing internationally. It was just going to be this sort of British blip on the map. And it ended up being much bigger than that. Simon Pegg plays Unker Plutt in Force Awakens. He's the guy who hands out rations to Rey when she comes back with Scrap. Follow the girl and get that droid. He's that dude in a, in a big suit. That's Simon Pegg. Mm-hmm. Peter Serafinowitz is Darth Maul in The Phantom Menace. He's the voice of Darth Maul. Really? Yes. At last we will reveal ourselves to the Jedi. At last we will have revenge. That's random. Yes. <laughs> uh, well, he has that incredible voice, which he uses to great effect. At one point, he answers the phone and says, hi, Dom. That's the same thing. It's either it's, it's one or the other. Hi, Dom or Dom. Hi. But they're flipped between this and spaced. Hi, Dom. Yeah. This is Dwayne Benzie. Peter Serafinowitz's character in Spaced is the one who ends up who was Simon Pegg's friend and ends up stealing his girlfriend away from him. And then they end up playing paintball against each other in a famous episode of Spaced. And he always answers the phone Dom High or whatever. And so this is a reference to that. Okay, now burning through the references. Here we go. They mention Evil Dead twice in the movie. One of the people who were out sick from the electronics store is named Ash. Also, at one point, when they find Pete upstairs, Sean does alone. He finds him upstairs in the bathroom. He explains to him what they're going to do. And then when he realizes he's a zombie, he says, join us, which is what Ash Deadite says at, at the end of Evil Dead 2. <sighs> the place that sells all the fish, or whatever it's called, is an Italian restaurant named Fulci, which is a reference to Lucio Fulci, who's a famous horror director. I was going to say, that sounds familiar. Uh, Mary, the zombie, works at a supermarket, the same place that Noodle ends up working at the end, and that is Landis Supermarket. This is a reference to John Landis, who did, obviously, American Werewolf in London, which we did in one of our early episodes, and Thriller, which is also kind of referenced in this. Also, there is a... there is dancing? Yeah, there is actually a chain of British convenience stores named Londis, which it's kind of also a reference to. Uh, the Winchester, obviously it's a Winchester, but that specific model of Winchester was used in Night of the Living Dead. 
Sean works at an electronics store called 4E Electronics, which is a reference to Ken 4E from Dawn of the Dead. He's the black guy in Dawn of the Dead. There is another reference to Spaced, Michael Smiley. He's a comic. He's wearing a yellow hat that cyclists wear where the brims flipped up and uh, cycling shorts. That's a reference to his character Tires from Spaced. Not wanting to say the Z word is a reference to most horror movies, zombie movies that don't actually say the word zombie. It's kind of like calling Macbeth the Scottish play. You just (laughs) don't say the word in the movie. (laughs) The first time he hears about a reference to what might cause the living dead to rise from the grave is on a newscast where it mentions that There's a probe from Venus that landed unexpectedly in the Earth's atmosphere. This is a reference to Night of the Living Dead. Supposedly a satellite from Venus brought radiation back to Earth, and that's what rose them from the dead. I didn't know that. When they're developing the plan about what they're going to do, they're going to rescue Liz, they're going to rescue Barbara, uh, is a goblin song. And as you probably know, Goblin did a lot of the music for Dawn of the Dead. Peter Serafinowicz appears alive when Sean closes his medicine cabinet, and he, it's framed and blocked in exactly the same way as the same gag in American Werewolf in London, where the main character sees his zombie pal. There's a newspaper headline that says GM crops to blame and GM crops blamed. This is a reference to a movie called uh, Let Sleeping Corpses Lie from 1974, where the zombie apocalypse is caused by pesticides. When he's on the bus, there's a song called Kerncraft 400. That song is by a band called Zombie Nation. We see an ad for a place called Bub's Pizza. Bub is the name of the smart zombie in Day of the Dead. We get a bunch of records referenced. I said New Order. I said Three Prince Records, The Stone Roses, and The Stone Roses' Second Coming. Sade's Diamond Life, that was Liz's album. Uh, and the soundtracks to 2001 A Space Odyssey, A Clockwork Orange, King Kong from 1976, Terminator 2, and Bound, for some reason. Ed uses the term perfect. Perfect. It's a very common sort of humorous English affectation, but it's specifically a reference to a character called Pop Larkin from The Darling Buds of May, which was a British television series in the 90s. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm telling you, this thing is just chock full with references, and I'm almost done. I think the way he shows up in Liz's window is intentionally done to mimic the temple of doom where they cut the bridge and it all comes down. And then he climbs back up and it's framed in the same way. Liz has a nickname for Sean and that nickname is, I don't know. She says it. I think once (laughs) when she, when she wants to know what his plan is, she says, all right, what's the plan flash. That's a reference to flash Gordon flash. Which Why? also had a soundtrack by Queen. Why did she call him Flash? It was just a nickname. Oh, okay. At one point in the movie, Ed says, Who died and made you king of the zombies? That is the name of an actual 1941 zombie flick. Who died and made you king of the zombies? King of the zombies. Oh. <laughs> the way that Barbara was bitten on the arm, it was done to mimic Dead Alive or Brain Dead. That's the Peter Jackson comedy horror movie. We'll see that eventually. Yep. In both Night of the Living Dead and Evil Dead 2, surviving characters need to go down into a basement and then subsequently escape it as it gets infested with uh, uh, quote-unquote zombies. Obviously, Evil Dead doesn't use zombies. The shot that they use, yes, the shot that they use looking into the cellar was done to mimic that same shot in Evil Dead 2. Zombade, which is put on by Coldplay. I'm sorry, what? 
Yeah, when they're watching TV at the end, they're interviewing Chris Martin from Coldplay. Okay. Chris Martin is sitting, being interviewed for something called Zombaid. That's obviously a reference to Live Aid, which if you've seen Bohemian Rhapsody, of course, you know what that is. Uh, he's sitting with Rafe Spall, who's another actor. He plays one of the twin, quote unquote, detectives in Hot Fuzz. He also has a cameo in World's End. A TV report mentions they've completely dismissed the idea that the outbreak was caused by a virus spread by rage-infected monkeys. That's a reference to 28 Days Later, which we did in our very first episode. When Pete says he did stupid things in his youth, he includes dressing up like Frankenfurter from Rocky Horror Picture Show. When does he say that? When they're arguing over Ed oh. and, and how he's grown up. Okay. We see a man... Wearing a coat, frightened from something and running. This is blocked the same way as Invasion of the Body Snatchers. There is a 360 degree pan around the Winchester, which is done in in the same style as this, as a similar one done in Aliens. Uh, they actually confirmed that in the audio commentary. Sean says, get behind me, and then holds his cricket bat the same way that, that a very similar thing happens in Empire Strikes Back. I mentioned Thriller. There is a moment when they're surrounded by zombies where the camera movements are exactly what happened in Thriller. They have a Highlander poster in their apartment. Of course, only one of the tenants of this apartment is alive by the end of the movie. There can be only one. Mm. They also have a Battle Royale poster. Really? Yes. Sean does sort that. of a... What's that? I never noticed that. Sean does sort of a breakdance kip-up move like Neo in the training sequence of The Matrix. That's what that's mocking. <laughs> uh, there is a first-person sequence in the Winchester, which I said references back to Time Splitters. But more specifically, it's a visual reference to that episode of Spaced called Art, which is where the whole idea for this movie came from. Also, there's an exchange where David calls Ed his boyfriend. and Love you, babe. And yeah, and Sean says he's not his boyfriend. And he says, thanks, babe. That is a thing that happens in Spaced. And that is it. Those are all the references that are worth mentioning in Shaun of the Dead that we didn't already mention going through the plot. Whew. So. Yes. Kelsey. Yes. What do you think this movie got on Rotten Tomatoes? 89? 92. Okay. 1% higher than The Return of the Living Dead. Can you fucking believe it? Shaun of the Dead cleverly balances scares and witty satire, making a bloody good zombie movie with loads of wit. And heart, too, I gotta say. Yes. Uh, a Metacritic of 76, no cinema score. Do you think that's overrated or underrated? Maybe just slightly overrated. Okay. I would give it a 90. I would give it a 93, I think. Oh. Yes. I fucking love this movie. So do I. As we discussed, it isn't my favorite Edgar Wright film. Uh, it's just fantastic, though. It's so funny. I've seen it too many times now. Yeah. I already know all the jokes. I don't laugh out loud anywhere near as much as I used to. Mm -hmm. But it, that makes it no less funny. I just yeah. I just already know what's going to happen. It's, it's so good. It's so clever. As you said, jam-packed with references and... 
it, foreshadowing and gags. And it cares and so much. It really, really does. Everyone involved really cares about what they're doing, and they put effort into every fucking inch of film. And I appreciate that. And it's really, really good. And like I said, it has lots of heart. I tear up every single time I watch this movie. It <laughs> Seriously, what the fuck? Uh, I think it was Mikey Newman who said... Simon Pegg is a better actor than people give him roles for. He gets all these roles like in Star Trek and stuff like that. And he's a much better actor than what he gets cast in. When he says it's on random, so good. When he's torn up about the fact that he's going to have to kill his mom. When he finally bonds with Philip right before Philip dies and he needs to break that news to his mom. Like, he's very good. And you might see... Nick Frost's character is like, oh, this is just Nick Frost. He's not acting. But watch Spaced, watch Hot Fuzz, watch World's End. None of those characters are the same. They're all completely different. So I fucking, I love him too. He's so, so good. Just a stellar movie. Absolutely a 90 point movie or higher. So yes, really, really love it. And that wraps up our Zed Word week here on Pod Cemetery with 1985's The Return of the Living Dead and 2004's Shaun of the Dead, two comedy zombie flicks. What are we watching next week? Well, what were we supposed to watch next week? Uh, we were supposed to watch Child's Play, but it's not out yet. Apparently it's not out yet, so we're just going to keep pushing that back. But just so everyone knows, it was finally here. It was going to finally happen. It's not out on home video yet, as of this recording. So, that means we will continue with other recommendations. So, next week is a combination of recommendations. <laughs> okay. Stacy recommended that we watch The Craft. Oh, yay. I love The Craft. So do I. Harry recommended that we watch The Witch. Which I really enjoyed. Kelsey, not quite as much as me, I don't think. It's pretty good. Yeah. Harry, I think you asked us to do The Witch with something else. I'm fairly certain that was they were both on the newer end of things, and so I paired it with an old movie. And since Stacy had offered the craft, I thought, hey, witchy week. Yes, it's a witch week. It's a vavitch week. Witch week. <laughs> The Craft and the Witch. Excited for that. That's going to be a good week. Mm -hmm. Until then, you can always reach us at podcemetery.com, our website where you can see every single episode and get an alphabetical list of every movie we've covered to find something that maybe you might be interested in to explore our backlog. You can also follow us on Twitter at podcemetery, where we post a lot of supplemental material to each episode. You can email us at podcemetery at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate review, and subscribe in your podcatcher of choice. Five-star written reviews are hugely helpful. I can't tell you enough how much help those provide. Thank you very much for sharing us with your friends. And of course, absolutely the best thing is you listening in the GD first place. Thank you all so very much. We love each and every one of you. Until next time, I've been Chris. I've been Kelsey. And this has been Pod Cemetery. But before we go, Kelsey, any last words? Do you like sex with death? Yeah, so fuck off and die.
Oh, is that Sneezovania? Oh, Gazontaisovania. And when Tarman sees them, he says, Brain. More brains. You want to say that cleanly? More brains. <laughs> when, when they're going to saw up the corpse for some reason, uh-huh. the guy at the crematorium says, Are you ready? And they say, No. But then he gets out the bone saw. Bone saws ready. It's all I can think. <laughs> all I can think. What a great reference. <laughs> In reverse. So, Kelsey. I'm not done. Okay. There was a shot, and you, you both of us noticed it, where it was like looking at just like the rain, and it went, it went, it was coming down, and then it went back up, and then it went down again. Yeah. No, it was like <laughs> the smoke oh. coming out of the smokestack, and it followed it up. And when it got to the very top, I guess they didn't want to freeze frame, <laughs> and they needed it to be like a second longer. So it reverses a couple frames and then goes back those same frames, and then it cuts to the next scene. It was very bizarre. <laughs> it was very odd. We'll see if you remember this. I, did you ever see Teeth? No. I didn't see that with you. No. Whatever. I'm so hot. I know. So am I. <laughs> I'm just dying of sweat right now. Yep. Nick, Simon Pegg. It is Nick, right? Sean. Oh my God. What the fuck? Who is Nick? Uh huh. Which causes David to run out and he's like. Not David. Not David. Peter Serafinowitz. Sorry. I can't think of what his name is. Hold on. Let me grab it. Um, Pete. It's Pete. So they're talking through the letters, open letter thing where you. What do you call that? The mail slot? The mail slot. Isn't there a part where he... I don't remember. There's something that he does that seems very uh, deer hunter-esque. I don't remember what it was. (laughs) It was on like a coaster or something like that. Or it was from a lid or... Hold on. Hold up, pose. Okay. I will go... As fast as I possibly can. Yeah, because I gotta get in the shower. <laughs> okay. So, Liz has a nickname for Sean, and that nickname is? I don't know. 